In 2012, Brad Miska, film producer and founder of BloodyDisgusting.com, released VHS, a found footage horror anthology showcasing the work of Adam Wingard, David Bruckner, Simon Barrett, Ty West, Joe Swanberg, and Radio Silence. After being well-received at the Sundance Film Festival, Magnolia Pictures picked it up and gave it a limited release in theaters, where it received a deservedly poor critical reception. Still, in part due to the film's low budget, it was a commercial success, and Magnolia Pictures rushed a sequel, VHS 2, into development that October. Only two of the original filmmakers returned for the sequel, Adam Wingard, known for Death Note, The Guest, and You're Next, who made the frame narrative of the first movie, returns for the first segment, Phase 1, Clinical Trials. Simon Barrett, who co-wrote the frame narrative with Wingard and wrote the screenplay for that, the sick thing that happened to Emily when she was younger, returned to direct the sequel's frame narrative. Jason Eisner, Gareth Evans, Timo Terejanto, Eduardo Sanchez, and Greg Hale joined them in the franchise, all helming their own segments. Once again, the sequel was screened at the Sundance Film Festival before being released to video on demand that June. It saw a limited theatrical release a month later and found equal financial success to its predecessor. At the same time, the sequel got a generally better critical reception. It currently sits with a 70% on Rotten Tomatoes, and one of its segments, Safe Haven, has been praised as one of the best horror movies of 2013. It did not, however, gain anything close to acclaim. Check the average rating on Rotten Tomatoes, and it's only a 6.05, and Metacritic has its critical score at 49. Is it deserved? Is VHS 2 as bad as its predecessors? Hello, and welcome to More Than Thumbs. I'm Jesse. And I'm Grayson. And this is the brand new, well, not so brand new, movie podcast, bringing you uh, reviews, analysis, and discussion of your favorite, least favorite, and forgotten films. Today we'll be discussing VHS 2. So let's talk a bit about our background with the film. Uh, Grayson, do you want to start? Sure. I saw this movie around the time that it came out in 2013, and I had seen the first film at this point and saw it as the cruddy little horror film that it was. And VHS 2, uh, for me, at the time, I thoroughly enjoyed it, mainly because I saw the two of the segments as being very strong and being types of horror genre filmmaking that I tend to really appreciate and enjoy one of them being being a zombie film and a, a, a cult a containment kind of film. Um, and I sort of did what I could to look over the weaknesses of the rest of the film. At the time, I, I, I guess I had pushed you enough to watch uh, VHS 2 that you ended up watching the entire series without me recommending you do so and now you blame me as being the reason that you have seen this series which is unfair and I don't appreciate that. At the time I I really enjoyed it I guess would be the short way of saying it. I watched uh, this film probably I I know it was after you had seen it uh, it was kind of on Grayson's recommendation he did like this series and he had been talking about it and this was around the time where we would just sort of watch anything I did not like the series I did not like the series I just wanted to I'm just saying I liked one of the films. That's the difference. Well, so this was around the time that I, I would basically watch anything that he was talking about so we could have a conversation about it, and, and God knows that hasn't changed. I, I was not particularly impressed with this film around the time that I saw it. Uh, I, I certainly liked it more than the first, but I remember this was one one of the earlier films that we really disagreed on, not insofar as we one of us thought it was brilliant and one of us thought it was terrible, because I don't think... 
correct me if you're wrong, I'm wrong, Grayson, but I don't think you thought it was brilliant or anything. And I no, I, I, I just thought some of the segments were really strong, and it averaged out to being a, a very solid movie. I didn't, uh, I wasn't vociferously defending it. And I, I didn't hate it or anything. I, I thought that it was, for the most part, okay, just not something I'd ever really watch again, which obviously I am, because we have to review it. Yeah, I, I didn't really think much of it at the time. Tape 49, the frame narrative that ties together VHS 2, is directed by Simon Barrett, the co-screenwriter of Tape 56 and sole screenwriter of The Sick Thing That Happened to Emily When She Was Younger from the first VHS movie. Barrett is closely associated with the mumblegore movement, essentially a take on the mumblecore subgenre, which is characterized by low, its low budgets, natural acting, improvised dialogue, and focus on characters in their 20s and 30s. He's best known for his collaborations with horror directors Adam Wingard and Joe Swanborg, both of whom he worked with for the first VHS movie. The segment opens on Larry, a private investigator, investigating a woman cheating on her husband. Him and his girlfriend, Ayesha, are then hired by a woman to investigate her son's disappearance. They break into his house to discover, like in the last film, the kid has a large collection of VHS tapes, which Ayesha investigates while Larry looks around the house for the kid. We learn that from different recordings the kid made before he disappeared that these tapes have a neurological effect on the people watching it, and as the film moves forward, we see this effect on Ayesha. At the movie's end, we learn that the kid and his mother lured the private detectives to the house to make their own tape. Ayesha attacks Larry, but he's able to fight her back before being killed by the kid who was hiding in the closet the whole time. So the first thing I want to mention about this wraparound compared to the last one is that, once again, it does begin with establishing two characters who are not particularly good people. They begin by recording a couple nude and then talking about how they're going to use that to blackmail them so they can continue getting paid. And they talk about when they get this case that they're going to, if they find him, not return him for a while so they can continue getting paid by it. You say, you say that, and I mean, when you say it out loud, it becomes a lot more obvious why it is that they're not good people. It's not to say that I wasn't consistently aware of that being the case, but I, I, as I'm sure you were just about to say, these these people are much easier to tolerate than the ones from the last I agree. film. And part of that is I actually do genuinely get the impression that these two actually care about each other. Yeah, I agree. Um, I wouldn't say that that actually makes them even compelling enough characters to follow for the frame narrative, but I do think that it makes them substantially better than the extraordinarily low bar that we were given in the last one. I do, like I said before, I do actually believe that the two of them care about each other. Much of that comes from uh, small exchanges that the two of them have about concerns over uh, the woman's migraines and and just sort of implied medical things that just happen to her on a frequent basis and the genuine concern that he seems to have for when that happens. I would say that the acting for the most part was was more believable than it was in the in the first film. I think it also benefits by having less characters. Yeah that's yeah. The last movie there are there's there are like five different kids I think And only one is at all distinguishable. That's the one who led them to the house in the first place. Mm -hmm. Besides that, I couldn't tell you a single thing about them. They are no different in personality. They are no different in how they act. 
and they have no chemistry with each other. They barely even seem to like each other for the people who do interact on screen. Which isn't inherently a bad thing. They, they just don't do anything with it in the first one, the fact yeah. that there's infighting. And in this, in this film, you know, there's only two characters, so they have more time with them, and they get along, and they have chemistry, and they do show some care for each other. Now, here's why I'm going to disagree with you. I actually think okay. the wraparound segment I, overall works, and I actually like okay. these characters well enough to follow them, at the very least for what we're, what we're doing. No, they're not particularly in ca- compelling characters or complex in, in any way. This is still VHS. It's not a, you know, this is not a Tarkovsky movie. Mm-hmm. I think they're enough to carry what they need to carry. Because all I need to care about is this, the part that mostly features them, which is the beginning and the end. And I do. I do care about their well-being during those scenes. And I need to care enough Ow. to be invested in how the female character, Aisha, is being affected by these tapes in the small little mini segments that they have in between the different VHS tapes. And I do. And that's not great. That's not wonderful. I don't mm-hmm. think this is amazing or anything. But I think it's enough for me to both like it well enough to look forward to going back to it. Mm-hmm. And to and to give the movie more of a sense of cohesion. Okay. So what I'm going to say as a response to that is... Uh, I, I, on on some level, we do agree with each other. There are, there are traits about uh, the characters that I do actually appreciate. Um, something that I don't really see often enough, and I'm I'm assuming you'll agree with me on this. In horror films, is is the relationship between two people where it actually seems like they consistently care about each other. Um, I, I I tend to find that in horror films, and, and this is a good thing, that the relationships are strained so that way it's not just the external forces attacking the people; it's the internal, you know, the interpersonal interactions yeah. and stuff like that. Um, so it was a, so it was a nice change of pace to see people that were actually able to communicate with each other fairly well. We don't really get that much time seeing them do that. The for me the best moment of the wraparound segment and just with with them communicating with each other is them in the car and them just sort of quietly conversing with each other after he called the person on the phone. It's a it's a it's a very brief moment, but it, there there's some there's it's a moment that I I did enjoy I did I should say did enjoy and it set me up for for two people that I actually thought there would be slightly more going on between the two of them. I don't really feel like we're actually learning too terribly much about them beyond that, and I feel like specifically her, I don't really think that it's completely fair to say that we learn too much about her other than she is being constantly protected by him on a medical level, so he has to treat her. That's not really giving her character. And pretty early on, she's the one that gets uh, sort of somewhat possessed by the videotape, so it's not really fair for us to say that we're actually getting the best sense of who she is as a person for the rest of the film. So I really don't feel like one of them is actually really getting that much of a chance to be a character. And he's and he's fine. I, I, I really like the moment when he's talking about how he's going to... Uh, he's going to bribe the the two of the, the pseudo clients back and forth, and I, I I like that moment. It is it is a strong little interaction, but even with him, I don't really feel like we're getting too terribly much more about them afterwards. It's it's a nice setup for two characters that I don't really end up caring about as much as I would have liked. This is a recurring theme for me throughout this film. I feel like this would be a stronger film overall if most of these segments were actually allowed to be a fair bit longer than they are. I feel like if we had a little bit more time 
with these people before they end up breaking into the house. I actually could have cared. And I was, I, I wasn't very consciously thinking, I wasn't consciously thinking every time they're on the screen, oh, this is a couple that I actively, I'm consistently consciously aware that I do not root for them. That's not what it was. It was just after a while, I realized that I was not specifically invested in them. I, I see what you mean. Here, here's why I agree with you, and here's why I'm not going to agree with you. Mm -hmm. I agree with you that she is underdeveloped as a character. We don't get a good sense of who she is before she is possessed. We don't get a good sense of her relationship with him besides that they care about each other. What I will say is I think that's enough for me for what we get of them. And I actually think you're not giving the male character... Uh, I, I'm now blanking on his name. Even well, though I heard who, it gave, who cares? Who cares? Um, Sorry, actor who played him. Nobody I cares. I don't think you're giving him enough enough credit. I think that he is. There is something very likable about his scheming. I think we get a sense of this is someone who is mostly just out for his own profit. Who does have a genuine concern for people that he cares about, but probably not for people that he doesn't. And he doesn't take his job all that seriously. I mean, you know, he's not the police. He's a he's a PI and probably not a very good one. Uh, I mean, he's good enough that he gets his job done and he gets paid. Now, is that extremely complex? Is that complicated? Is that something that I'd even say would is even ideal for this scenario? No, I wouldn't say that. But does it work well enough for what the movie is? I, I'd say definitively, yes. So when we talk about what it is that the film needs to be necessarily. I understand what you mean. There is an expectation most of the time that, that horror is not going to develop its characters as much. A, a, a standard, by the way, that the two of us appropriately reject because that's not something that you should be holding any film to a standard of, oh, well, conventionally this genre has this, partic this particular weak quality, which means that we should just expect that it's going to for us to say it's a good movie. No, that's not how watching movies works. What I would say is that in most uh, it well actually in pretty much all cases of horror films that we've watched they're over 90 minutes so this level of characterization actually has more than one or two little moments where we see this come out in these people here it, it is about it, it's about one moment and it's a moment I like but it's not something that we consistently see with every interaction with him and his girlfriend it mainly comes out in that one scene it's not these two people are constantly communicating or their relationship is building over the court or even really changing the dynamic of it much at all once they're inside of the house it's sort of oh climb through this window we need to look at this room kind but of I think you get it's, a sense it's of purely functional I th no I think but I think that you get a sense of the of how they function both as a romantic couple and as as people who are working the same job together I guess I, w I would just I would just probably say that I would disagree with that I, I see it mostly as 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 functional interactions between two people that I already know work well with each other. So to me, it's it's really just sort of continuing to, to very, very mildly tap instead of hammer on a particular point that we already knew. Well, I, I have a question about what you just said, which is what do you, how do we know that they are all, how do we already know that they're functional? We're learning that they work well together mm -hmm. throughout the film, through how they, you know, not maybe not throughout the film, but we learn that information based on their success in, you know, getting into the house and, and you know, dividing up their jobs. And you know, I, I think that there are... We're, 
That's information that we're being learned. We're not going into, we don't meet them and already know, oh, this is a functional relationship. We're being, we're being told it, you know, the same way that, that any film would. Well, the scene that we see them interacting in the car, we do get that impression with the two, with the interactions that they have with each other. We do see that they have a fairly easy repartee that doesn't call attention to how quick and witty the banter is or anything like that. But it's just, it's very, uh, it's, it's subdued and it's quiet, which is, which I, which I was fine with. Uh, and we, and we see the, the job that they had with each other earlier when he was filming the people having sex. They were able to get away pretty easily. Well, he did not actually get away pretty easily. I mean, he, anyway, he, he got away by the skin of his teeth. They, they cons, considering how bad the situation escalated so rapidly, the fact that he got away is is a good is is working together pretty well. I I don't I don't necessarily think that that is the case, and I I don't even we don't even see her in that interaction, so I I don't think that's. An, she was I, driving I, the car, but I don't think there is any indication that. From that, that they're, they're functional, that they're good at their jobs. I mean, look, they were able to track them down, but, you know, they they were ultimately, they, 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 I don't think there's anything there that makes it clear, or is it even meant to make it clear, that that they're functional. I think that's something that we're taught through their interactions. At least well, I mean, well, first of all, you're saying that you see them as being functional, and I, I see them as not being is particularly functional. I see them as being a couple of young people who do stuff, who use illegal means to get to sleazy conclusions. And that's shown from the opening, which is to me the best part of the wraparound segment. And, I agree with that, by the way. Yeah, no, and no, but what, but you're saying how they how they function properly with each other. To me, it's it, this this is showing how they have a slightly sloppy relationship. It's showing the relationship that they have where it's not that they're actually consistently getting a you know getting everything that they want 100 percent of the time but it's showing that with each other they have the the ability to get away it's like i already knew that and i and i feel like for the most part what i see with them in the house traveling through i don't really see too much that shows me that much new about how it is that they actually function with each other to meet their goals like i said before i i i would be totally fine with this if we had a little bit more time to see them interact with each other this segment i think if we were actually to which and i recognize that this isn't the format that it's meant to be viewed in but if we were to combine all the segments together and just watch the wraparound segment from beginning to end again i know that's not how it's supposed to be watched but it was probably what 10 12 minutes something like that around there it's 10 15 yeah something around there when the majority of it is is her being possessed and on it's not really giving us as you know three to five minutes is really not as much as as i actually i would say that it isn't a, i just don't really feel like this set up a frame where i was super worried about this character being in this situation now i think that as the as the frame goes on it gets um it gets a little weaker and it gets stronger. I think it gets weaker as a as a piece where I'm invested in what's happening to these characters. I do think it works a little bit more as horror. I like the moment when when we first come back to the wraparound segment after the first film, uh, the Adam Wainwright one. We see somebody crawling around in the background. It's actually a pretty strong use of, uh, of, of how you're going to spatially separate the two characters in background and foreground. It, it actually works. It is legitimately subtle that the person's there and i and i like that moment um I, I do too and, and though i would say that it is 
the kind of thing in a horror movie that that we do tend to complain about where the reason that the character is crawling around like that is pretty much for not really too much more of a reason than oh it's a horror movie and it's so the audience can see that this person is there and that scares us that doesn't really make sense that this character would be crawling around like that um which is just uh, i to for me it ultimately is evened out by the fact that i actually thought that the moment worked yeah so I, I, but but no but this is but this is what i'm saying is that for the for the first half or so of the wraparound segment i'm i'm pretty i'm pretty in the middle i i i feel like i can at least recognize these characters and understand for the most part who they are as people i'm not super invested in the performances it certainly helps that in this one um at least in this segment comparing it to the first segment uh nobody's played by uh, adam wingard but I, for me it's it's a it's around completely middling for me it is it's functional it's adequate it's it's blah so we should probably well, talk I, about oh i i, I would like to say I, I think for me that it's 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 is functional, but I think it's functional. It's on the good side of functional. It it, it I do think that some of the horror works better as it goes along. I don't agree with you that the character stuff gets worse. We get less think, of it as it goes along. I I know, but it's later on in the movie we get the migraine. Do you like me to go out to get your medication? Why I don't want to leave you there like that. We see that that's later in the movie, and I think mm-hmm. that works. I think that that's a nice moment for me. So mm-hmm. I don't necessarily agree that we're even getting less of it. I think sometimes we're getting it, sometimes we're not. I th- I think you're right. What I would say as a response to that is that I don't think it's completely fair because at that point she's already somewhat possessed. So I don't really feel like we're actually seeing both of the characters we're just seeing one of them but i do think you're right that it, it that is a good moment i do like that moment when he's asking about the migraines and i i, I think you're right about that it's just for it, me it, it it does frustrate me that we don't get to see two people actually communicating sure but I, I think that even so i mean that that keeps me invested in the character i think even even if mm-hmm. there's not two developed characters sometimes characters can work because you know what someone else means to someone and mm-hmm. it's not the strongest way to do characters it's much better for every character in the film to be de- equally developed yeah. and, or de- not equally but you know I, I, I know what you're saying but you know it, sometimes the movie can still work even if your main the main reason you're invested as a character is because someone you like likes them yeah sometimes no, that can right. work you're, no you're, you're right um, and, and I think it works yeah. here not mm. not exceptionally I don't yeah. think that this is I'm not saying that this is brilliant or that this is just a wonderful way to start or, and finish it I'm just yeah. saying that for me this is enough that I'm I'm not dreading going back to the wraparound segment. I'm I'm kind of looking forward to it. I like it. I do think it brings the movie some coherence. So how you feel about it is pretty much a reflection of how I felt about Second Honeymoon at the beginning of it, for the most part, earlier on. Except I guess I was mildly more positive on the beginning of Second Honeymoon last time around. So it, it's just more of a, oh, I, I understand that that this is generic but this is ultimately working or actually i should say that it, it how i felt about the intruder scene in the second sure movie. yeah, yeah I, I understand better, that, yeah. that it's generic i understand that there are things about it that don't work but i think overall it, it does okay i can i can i can respect that the 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 beginning of it for me i'm i'm pretty much right smack dab in the middle where i don't really feel strongly or really even definitively about it in either direction um how i feel about it by the end does change when i when i guess we we realize that the the lore behind the vhs universe and what this at this point this is a franchise what it's setting up is uh is a world where we're gonna have characters that 
see VHS tapes and they're going to go insane because they watch these VHS tapes, which I don't, I don't know how you feel about that concept. I, I, I just don't, I don't really have any interest in that as a, as a concept. I actually, I actually kind of like it. So, I mean, I mean, I I like the idea that there are these tapes that do affect you neurologically Mm -hmm. and that for certain people, they become obsessed with them and even want to make their own, which is the whole point. The purpose here is that the the mother and the kid had this, you know, they conspired to bring these detectives here so that they could make their own tape. Mm Mm-hmm. I actually think that kind of works. I think mm-hmm. that provides... Because you can't have... An, I imagine part of it's just practical. We cannot have yet another wraparound segment where it's just everyone who sees these tapes just disappear before it ends. Yeah. Even though I, on the surface, they that is kind of what happens, where it's just people get lured into a house and just some person attacks them. On the surface, it is the same thing. I think if... On I, the surface, it's the same um, thing. That's a that's a very, very I mean I I wouldn't even say that I think that yeah someone's going to a house and they're they're attacked is is a very 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 superficial way to to describe them as similar but sure that that is that is what happens I think that this works because it it puts me kind of in the shoes of the antagonist of this wraparound which is the kid and his mother of someone who really likes horror shorts or horror movies and are really obsessed with them. And I think that's kind of the audience here. Is it's not, this is not really a series that's meant for casual watchers. Not that if you're a casual watcher, you won't like it necessarily. I mean, you wouldn't like the first one. Because it's a bad film. But you know, it's, it's a movie more for people who love horror movies. So it's putting that audience of people who are seeking out this this fair kind of obscure little series of horror movies and giving them kind of an antagonist that they can almost relate to. I I think there's something, I'm not going to say scary about it because it's not scary, but something fun about it. There's something about that that I would be interested in following again. Just, you know, a bunch of different people with these tape collections and it makes enough sense for this universe that I can go with it. So what you said about about relating to the antagonist I thought was interesting. So we really get very little time with this antagonist and really even getting even having time really understanding entirely what is even totally understanding what his motivation is beyond just wanting to uh we we just get the information that oh he has an interest in continuing to make these videotapes this is not conveyed to us in a kind of lynch manner where we're really just completely engrossed in this sort of generally vague concept but at least we we have the concept in front of us and it's all about completely affectively throwing us into a pit where we get totally disorientated but at the same time we have a pretty clear understanding of what the appeal of the tape is this is just a very brief little moment where somebody is just kind of saying oh this is just this is this is why i'm doing this and on on the on the reason that we uh, uh, people on people associating with the antagonist i mean what you said is i mean that's a that's a you know that's a cute potentially kitschy kind of idea of oh we we would relate to that because we also enjoy horror we also are invested in sort of you know as a filmmaker or something like that and i know you and i don't agree on on something like like scream but that series has a has a more uh, tongue-in-cheek self-aware self-referential tone to it where when it has people that are saying oh i want to replicate x y or z 
you understand that the film is not taking itself so seriously that it's kind of a silly idea that that we're expected to make the leap that oh this person is so invested in this that they're actually going to start killing people this is played straight so it's not really i mean it's 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 kind of difficult for me to actually take seriously especially when in the last few minutes that's when it's introduced and most of when it's introduced is I mean, it's an action sequence these people are being are these these people are fighting with each other and and the only well, no, other it's before the it's right before the it's literally right before the action sequence. yeah i know i know i i know it's right before the action sequence i'm saying the majority of that scene overall that final section of the wraparound segment is an action sequence and i would also say that it's not even really a, a lovecraftian kind of thing where you're you become obsessed with with this material you, you really understand what the appeal of this material is you know with the with lovecraft it's it's this overwhelming all-encompassing interest in in something like the new gods or, or whatever it is that the, or the old ones or i think that's what it's called in lovecraft where it's these beings that like the second you know about about them the second that you're aware of them you just go mad like the fact that you even were able to uncover it there's no gradual descent it's just like just instantly you just you're you're lost and that's really interesting and in seeing an outsider come in and sort of observe someone who who fell to that sort of spell is interesting um not just in lovecraft because lovecraft is a good writer unfortunately he's a horrible racist but this is what i'm saying we needed more time that for all these concepts to actually work i i i, I too kind of think some of these concepts are kind of neat i know it's not the exact same thing but to an extent the ring does something kind of similar um the, these are concepts that i that i'm i'm totally down with we needed more time for all of these concepts. We needed more time with the characters. We needed more time with the concept. And it also doesn't help that none of the, that, I won't say none, but for the most part, these segments that we've watched so far in the first and second one, they're not so, even when they are good, and some of them have been good, uh, only one in the first one that is, they're not so enrapturing that we, that we really understand that there's like a consistency and a, a common theme among all of them. It's really just different ways that people die and because the films aren't consistently even good, we're not really actually completely enthralled and engrossed into them. I mean, if this was like the Ballad of Buster Scruggs, where for the most, that's an anthology where for the most part, um, a lot of the segments are generally consistent quality. Um, I actually feel like I have a more, a more cohesive vision of that film's uh, understanding of what it would be like to be in the West and I could actually get into that. Here's just sort of vague, general things that people do, and that could be described as horror films. There's a cult, there's an alien, there's a there's a pseudo kind of possession ghost thing. There's zombies. It's not. It's just monsters in general. There's not really a commonality between them. Do you sort of understand what I'm saying? I understand what you mean. And look, I, I'm not. I feel like. Look, I don't even thinking this would make more sense if it was something like The Ring, where the different movies that we're seeing are these sort of these very surreal, almost Lynchian, like random nonsense that, that doesn't even make sense for the audience. It not, makes not all... to imply that Lynch is random nonsense, by the way. I just want to. I know. Say, I'm yeah. just saying, like, like something like um, like in the in the wing, the video that yeah. we see looks like nonsense. Some of it's yeah. recorded later, and we get a sense of what it means. Yeah. But it, it looks like nonsense. And here, these are all different videos with narratives. So I agree it would have w worked better if this concept was with 
consistently, not even consistently, good material. Just say that materials help. that were, that would help, but I mean, just material that had a more otherworldly tone. But with that said, I think it's still, I, I guess it just comes down to a case where we, we kind of agree on, on what the problems are. I just still think it kind of works for what it is. Okay. I still think that there's, I, I think there's an extent to which the ending maybe inappropriately plays with its tone a bit more. How do, what do you mean? So there's, a, there's parts of the ending that are a little silly. I mean, the very last frame of the film before it cuts to the uh, credits is you see the kid, he's in the closet. He's just killed Larry, Larry I think. Is that his name? The, the private investigator. Yeah. His tongue is sticking out. The makeup like has his Ooh. tongue sticking out and he gives the, the audience a thumbs up and then it, go, then it goes right Should to you know, that, that metal yeah. song they yeah. have at the end. It sucked, by the way. Say I that. actually kind of like that song. That song sucked. No, it, I did. I I'll be. I will say one thing. I I, I didn't sit through it because it was so terrible. But you can continue with what you're saying, please. So you know, it's definitely ends with this is a segment that for the most part is taking itself pretty seriously. I mean, yeah, there's, there's some there's some kidding early on. I think there is something yeah. genuinely amusing about him. Go, the this private investigator going, if we see the guy, we're going to take him for a ride for a little while. You know that to a part, but. For the most part, this is taking itself dead seriously. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, it plays with that a bit more. It's not a comedy. Absolutely not. But I do think there's an extent to which we're supposed to interpret the whole, oh, there's, you know, these tapes do, not the tapes do things to you, but, you know, when he goes, you know, and I, now I want to make my own tape, and he shoots himself, and he goes to the side, and then at the end, we see that kind of silly image with him and the tongue go out. Look, it's it's a little a little wink to the camera. It's a, it's a little bit of a wink to the audience. Now, is that appropriate in, in this wraparound segment? Um, probably not. But I think that it, it has this vibe of, of, you know, just saying to the audience, you know, hey, at the end of the day, these are just all fun, different little scary stories. I hope you liked it. Yeah. And and look, that's would the film be better if it had either made sure that all the segments were like that? Because as we're going to get to, uh, not all the segments were like that. One of them was a lot more, a lot more serious in tones than the other. Uh, Safe Haven was definitely a lot, lot more serious in tone, and it's better because of that. Um, would it, would it be a better movie, a more coherent movie, if they had done that? Yes, hundred percent, absolutely. Yeah. And if that is a problem for you, or you just cannot get into the wraparound segment, or even if you can't, just can't get into the movie because of it, that's understandable. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. But for me, it was enough because I like that. I like you know little short little you know fun horror movies and I kind of like that vibe and at the very least it's not so aggressively mean-spirited the way that its predecessor is Hmm. I don't I guess I I don't know if I really necessarily associate the film itself or the making of the film the first one to be what was the word that you used uh, mean-spirited or I guess words or whatever whatever well the the last film is very the wraparound is very mean-spirited oh no no the the wraparound is I I thought you were talking about like the entire film no I'm not talking about the entire film I'm just talking about like how the then I I misunderstood what you meant that was (laughs) mean-spirited I think the the second thing that happened to Emily is kind of mean-spirited and Tuesday the 17th is really mean-spirited like Tuesday the 17th isn't that mean-spirited it's just bad so we feel like it's mean-spirited because it tricked us into watching no it's it's mean-spirited it's a movie of a bunch of people really really disliking each other for most of the movie with like really no I, I think there's something I mean spirited about this is but you would agree that it feels additionally mean spirited because it sucked and oh yeah to no totally it. yeah 
okay. But uh, yeah, but th- what, there is something. What what I would say on that on that one note is, and I don't want to play devil's advocate for it too much, but there there are, there are horror films that I've seen where um, people's body parts have been sort of blown off and. Or they're just like removed from the rest of uh, from them, and and they can still look kind of creepy. Um, I, I, I don't think you've seen Juan, but that's in that. Um, I mean, like I, I I do agree with you that it is supposed to be, you know, yeah, like a little fun wink to the camera at the end. Um, I don't know. I've had the potential that they could play it kind of as being more body horror or something like that. You know, in in the same vein as uh, as the the second short film, uh, Ride in the Park. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, no, I I I guess to me, I'd be more okay with this if the, if this was yeah, like yeah, right. Trick or Treat and also Creepshow have a more lighthearted, tongue in cheek, winking at the audience spirit to it. And at the end, when they have things like, oh, the kid does, I'm not going to say what it is at the end of Creepshow, but when he does that, it actually feels a little more earned that this kid would have this sort of mean spirited attitude because because he has the morals that this film that we just watched has these mean spirited awful morals and then we actually get to see the kid act on them and it feels kind of silly but at the same time kind of earned i like i like the ending of creep show and it's the same thing with trick-or-treat where you all where you are sort of supposed to get consistently invested in the deaths and and like some of the goofier stuff that's happening in certain segments um trick-or-treat is more i think trick-or-treat is an example of the kind of thing that that i think vhs might be going for not in so far that it's the same kinds of movies but, but, but that's the thing is that it's not though it's not going for that because all of these segments, there's no cohesion or real cohesion with them. I mean, you said that all of them have, have tonal inconsistencies, and I, and I agree with you, except for Safe Haven, but that itself is a tonal inconsistency. I mean, they're all totally inconsistent, uh, totally inconsistent to different levels. Like, yeah. I, like, I mean, you could say that... Well, um, they're totally inconsistent from each other, and, and a lot of them are totally inconsistent even within themselves. Yeah, no, so so there's no tonal consistency, so it's not like we actually even really get the best sense of how it is that this is supposed to be tongue-in-cheek, really. It's, it's really only tongue-in-cheek in the sense that we understand that we're actually not really supposed to be taking horror that seriously and that we're only there for the deaths which i which i just i don't know that's not really the only reason i'm invested in horror like it's it's for the type of horror fan who is you go to a horror convention and and you and you, you're just like you're just into into just the pageantry of all of it yeah and, 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 and for a fan who who makes like fan art of a freddy and jason and then sam from trick or treat and yeah and that's and and you know what that that's totally fine that's totally fine if you feel that way the the thing is most of those movies are are really bad. I'm not uh, calling Trick or Treat out there in general, but I'm saying most of those franchise films they're really bad and they kind of don't earn that sort of reverence and and fandom and it's just a kind of mentality that while I can respect, I'm at a distance from it and I just I it's not a tone that I can also get invested in. So, yeah, that's how I feel about the... And, and, I mean, obviously there's more to say about how the rest of the film is totally consistent. Phase 1 Clinical Trials, the first segment of VHS 2, opens with Horman, played by Adam Wingard, receiving a new eye at the doctor's office. It's explained that the eye will serve as a camera that will record everything he does, and it cannot be turned off. He's also told that he may experience some glitches because of the technology. That night, Wingard sees visions of what can only be described as ghosts in his apartment and the next morning, frantically calls the doctor to get his problem fixed. He's visited that night, however, by a woman he saw at the doctor's office who received an auditory implant 
and afterwards was able to hear spirits, just like he is able to see them. In the night, she's killed, and Horman, freaked out, removes the fake eye from the socket. It doesn't work, though, and the ghosts kill Horman, first feeding him the fake eye. So, the... This was, this was bad. Oh, you didn't like the segment? No. The segment was was debatably the worst one. Oh, no, I, I definitely don't agree with that. No, I definitely don't. It sucked. I, I actually like this segment. Are you... Oh, my God. Yeah, I actually like it The segment was a, was a stinker. I, I liked it overall. Oh, yeah. my God. I guess this, this is, is going to be a... Dad. Um, okay. Uh, oh, Jesus Christ. Okay, uh, you can start, I guess. The first thing I, I, will, I will acknowledge is the acting in this segment across the board is bad. Yeah. Yeah, around the board is bad. So the bad. the main yeah. lead is played by Adam Lingard, who directed it. He is also the direct he directed uh, several other films. He was an established director by this point. We've talked um, about Adam Adam Wingard at this point, and it's good to know that not only is he not a good filmmaker, but he's not a good actor either. That's just a, a marvel to hear about that. And Please the, continue. Yeah, I mean, I, it was str- It's not like it's. It's also, it's a very typical horror movie kind of bad. It's not like a, it's not a kind of bad where it's even worth going that much into. It's, it's like one where, it's the kind of acting that someone gives when, does when they clearly aren't a trained actor and they don't know how to properly emphasize the right words or show emotion just in general or, uh, you know, just, or just sort of exp- or really think about what their character is and what they're doing, what they mean. Like, th- this is someone who is completely unable to do these kinds of things. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a, as, I wouldn't even say it's as bad a performance as you can get, because this is certainly not in, like, the top, like, hundred worst performances I've ever seen in my life. But it's just, uh, you know, it- it's just you know, as generic a bad performance as you can get. And the same with the other character in the movie, the the girl. Yeah, and the doctor as well was not good. I don't think the doctor was that bad. It was just whatever to me. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> it's not just the acting, which is which is which is. I mean, it's pretty obvious why it is that it doesn't work. It's 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 like you said. It's not really worth going too terribly far into why it is that it doesn't work. Um, and you did a pretty good job of explaining it anyway. It doesn't help that uh, most of the dialogue is really not good. It, one of the things that I noticed really early on was you have you have this character who's expected to be alone for a significant portion of the time, and he's constantly saying certain things out loud to himself for no other reason than he is... You're holding the hand of the audience through the emotion of a scene. He'll say stuff like, What the... What is... What is that? Man, I can't believe we're... I left this over here, or, or he said, "Like what? What? I, I the the big one for me is when he is when he sees that the game controller is is in a different spot, and he says something to the extent of, now where did I put that? Like it's some it's it's completely unsubtle and completely just expecting the very lowest cognitive ability of the audience, which right off the bat, I mean, it doesn't it doesn't help that this guy is just bad. I mean, he's bad at delivering this dialogue." I mean, really, the only thing about the the character that really even makes me that that I can say anything even remotely positive about is the is because this is essentially from a, a first person perspective. I actually believe that he is scared because the camera frantically flips around and is constantly jostled and stuff yeah. like that. So I do believe that he is freaked out, and it never comes 
from his performance, it's always it's always because because of the the choice to have it as a first person perspective. But I mean, I, I thought, and that's not even just the the minor little you know just talking to myself dialogue, which I, I understand that everybody to some extent or another talks to themselves, especially when they're in kind of stressful situations, whether you want to admit it or not. But but this is, I mean, you 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 hear it, and it's so it's so overt what it it's so it's so on the nose what it is that they're trying to accomplish by doing this but it's it's not even just that it's the dialogue in general is, is, is bad i mean you have you have this this female character um who who comes in well, well let's 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 wait yeah. okay, i want to address something you say about what okay. he's alone for so let's let's sort of back okay. ahead, yeah. ahead of ourselves i mean you're, you're right he does a lot of talking to himself i i don't think that it's necessarily a problem i think that it is I think at times it's hand-holding for the audience. But I, I, I think that it's... I don't think it's inherently a problem. I think it, it doesn't work more because Adam Wingard isn't good at delivering these lines. He's not good at delivering... Like, look, it's not as bad as the as like the way you delivered it. Uh, but, you know, it's not like it's, like, that much better. Like, it, it comes across as holding the audience's hand. And there is a way to do that because there is a way to convincing, convincing, convincingly talk to yourself in a movie mm-hmm. you know i a lot of people talk to themselves i talk to myself yeah. sometimes i'm sure you do i'm sure a lot of people yeah. listening do uh you know even out loud you know it happens you know people do it so there's a way to do it believably in this he just isn't um it's i mean it's a difficult thing to do so i'm not gonna totally dog wingard for doing still, this it's it's difficult to play the performance of talking to yourself so it's not something that i'm gonna specifically dog wingard for it, i am gonna dog him for writing sequences where he asks himself to deliver this in a convincing way so to me it doesn't really matter if this is something that that people do naturally because what i'm seeing on screen is it's not natural he's doing a, a bad job and i don't believe his interactions with himself yeah I, that's what i'll call it i agree i i would say though is something you mentioned that i think does really work and there's a lot of the reason why the segment overall works is is you're right the camera work actually is is really conveys how afraid he is it's constantly being jostled around and running mm-hmm. back and forth and i think that's something that's legitimately like let's let's know that let's let's point that for a moment like that's important that works and that's big Mm-hmm. And that is something that Wingard gets credit for because, the, and I think it's consistent throughout the segment that the way that the camera moves is effective at conveying how scared he is and at conveying the paranoia of this environment of of seeing all these ghosts in this house that he doesn't know of. So, so I actually I think that works quite well. Mm-hmm. And I think all so one thing you mentioned is that the the camera is located in his eye. So this is yeah. kind of a step up even from. I don't want to say step up in terms of quality, but like this is like you know the amateur night. They put the the camera on the glasses here. They put it right in the eye. I I think then you you do get a sense of how personal it is when you when I see him being right up close with a ghost. I know that's not you know some camera that he's holding and he's jostling around. That's mm-hmm. his that's his face. That's how he's you know when he moves back when he re- reacts. That's how he's reacting, and that's probably a difficult thing to do. That's something you need to really consider how someone moves and how to make that natural and how to use that to contribute to the fear. 
I think they do that very, very well. I think that is definitively effective. Okay. So the first thing I would say as a response to that is that the the more important thing is that I'm actually scared of the thing that we're being uh, introduced to. And the second thing is just the logistics of even being able to record these ghosts. I mean... I mean, this is the cliche, so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get all over it for not adhering to the cliche. But I, I'm pretty sure that that in most cases it's supposed to be, oh, the ghost is not caught on camera. What, what? That's the, not, that's not a problem. I'm not, I'm not saying it's, it's not, a, I'm not saying it's, it's a, not, a, I'm not saying it's a, I'm not saying I'm not, I'm not saying it's a problem. I'm saying that that from the beginning, it's just kind of, it's kind of interesting that we have something where we can actually record ghosts. Like we can actually record them, especially if it's if it's something that only one particular person can actually like really see at a time, or like a select few can actually see at a time. It's weird that that video equipment would be able to pick up on it, and other people wouldn't have noticed this by now. I find that a little strange. I'm not gonna like jump up and down about that, but the other th the the point that I, I that I really do want to make that I think is really important is that I, I don't it, even think it's weird by the way. I think I think it's okay. Totally it's fine. I mean, it's weird, but whatever. So the the the, the ghosts, um, these ghosts, uh completely suck they are they are the most and uh, another uh bad segment that we're gonna get to uh a little bit later um the monsters are extraordinarily stupid and look stupid the way they function is for pretty much no other reason than really really poorly timed and ineffective jump scares um, where you just got, where to, for people that don't know, it's, it's a, it's a sudden, sh in most cases, at least it's a sudden, uh, shift in action in a frame in found footage. It's often because, um, you have somebody turning really quick, uh, quickly to a different, um, to looking to pointing the camera at a different, uh, part of their surroundings and it just sort of suddenly something will just suddenly pop into frame. And it's this, it's this rush of action, and it's usually accompanied by the very loud and obnoxious uh, uh, music cue that in, in, in most conventional uh, films that are not found footage, it, it, it's, it's essentially the equivalent of, like a, of, of an obnoxious sound, like a piano exploding or something like that. Just like this terrible, yeah. awful noise that is, is distracting and stupid, which uh, in, in this one and in the later... Uh, in, in the later segment that we're going to talk about they cheat and they do add mild droning humming noises to these little moments it's not just somebody turns and they just scream and and it's just the sudden motion and the character's reaction that's getting you to be frightened it's actually like they're they are adding in music to impact you more so for so from the very beginning they're, they're cheating the the villains are stupid um i i think that that you have immediately well, I, seen I, I, want, I want just to mm -hmm. comment on on them cheating. Uh, yeah. yeah, you're right. They, they do cheat. Yeah, they cheat. Yeah, they they, yeah. they they actually have scare cues that that bothered me. That was that. Yeah, you're right. That, that yeah. that's true. Okay, so the the villains are 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 really generic. Uh, this is this is a, a, a spooky ghost that's gonna haunt you and follow you around. And we, I mean, you and I have talked, however, many times about how it probably is for the best that in most cases you don't sit down and explain the motivation of exactly what it is that the villain in your horror movie is doing. Um, a, so I'm not, I'm not asking for you to go into the super intricate or even really particularly intricate uh, explanations of why it is that this is happening to these people, but I mean, this is, this is a pretty blah setup from the beginning with a character that I don't like because the performance is, is, is really bad. Um, 
and yeah, I, I I see this as being little more than than ghosts. Who we have the we have the generic little kid girl ghost who sneaks around the corner. We have we have pale faced. Uh, how would I describe it? Uh, pale faced. I think bald elderly man who who just who just does little more than stand around because ooh that's spooky and intimidating it's 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 a completely generic horror movie villain that that you wouldn't even struggle to come up with in your sleep because it it's just it it presents itself so naturally to the mind that you that you have to put no effort at all into thinking of what it is that they're going to do and most of the stuff that they do is yeah it's the thing that we talked about before where where it's where it's these people who are just I'm I'm posturing myself in this in this position because oh isn't that spooky? It's not because we're gaining anything practical by just standing around you. Or you just go, if we want to kill you, just go up to him and kill him. We don't just stand around him to intimidate him and then. Well, have no, him no, they, but they explain they 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 do explain that they you know she when so when the the girl comes over to his house you know to to explain sort of what's going on she also says like the more you acknowledge them. The more you see them, the more you know. The more they actually have an ability to interact with you and hurt you, they can't just go after them and kill them when they first see them. That that's explained in the movie. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like you know, the idea that without the implant, he wouldn't have been able to see with them at all. And the more he interacts with them, the more he sees them, and the more actually even more than that, the more he just acknowledges their presence, the more of a danger he is to them. That's that's explicit. So, All right. Okay. Yeah, that's so, that's so fair. The reason he just yeah. turns around, and he just sees them. And they're just standing there. I mean, there's a reason for it. It's because, mm-hmm. you know, that it's not like they're actively going after him. The reason, you know, it's not like they're actively going after him. It's, uh, you know, they, they 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 you know they they're there already, and he is suddenly able to see them mm-hmm. or perceive them or whatever. But you, but would you agree that that the that the attitudes or, or the or, I'll, I'll not say the attitudes, the presentation of these ghosts as as intimidating beings is almost universally. Oh, I rounded a corner, and and a spooky face is suddenly in front of my in front of the camera and now I'm supposed to go boo with the with the with the scare cue accompanying noise. I think that the Yeah, I, I think maybe to an extent. I, I do however think that there I think that there's more to it than you're giving it credit for. I think there is a I, I actually think there are things about you know I, I, I think that there's other ways about the thing, ways about how the ghosts operate that, that do work. I think that there's ways the camera moves that works. I think that there's ways that you know, I, I don't think necessarily it's it's all just that, but I, I think that there's there's too much of it. I mm-hmm. think that you know this movie could have been this segment could have been better if it didn't have that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you're you're right. I mean, some of it, yeah, some of it is like that. But I actually do not think that's all of it. I don't think that's enough. I think there's enough that's not that, and that is that does work. That I still do like the segment overall. Can you think of an example of? of where you felt like the camera work was specifically enhancing um, the scene. I mean, I think a lot of it was not... So the jump skews were bad, but I actually think oftentimes right after the jump... The jump... The, the scare cues, the jump scares, they would be... So you'd sort of see the way that the camera was operating and see him running around. And there was something about seeing how he was doing that mm-hmm. that made it feel more, more frantic. I actually think it's even more the case right when in, in the climax where through the way that he's, he's running around creates this gives you sends puts you into this sense of paranoia that he's mm-hmm. feeling where he's just sort of freaking out and a lot better than the performance does because the performance is just not selling it but the yeah. camel wolf is <clears throat> this is one of the few movies i've seen that would be would actually benefit 
from having all of the dialogue removed and just being able to see it. Yeah, this is this but is oh, no, even yeah. even with it. I mean, I think that 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 I think there are plenty of cases there where you get a good sense of how he's reacting to this just from the camera work, and that alone makes me freak freak out a lot more. I guess what I this is the only one of the five uh, segments. I will call the wraparound of the segment just for the sake of the conversation. This is one of the only. I think this is the only segment actually where I think that having a longer running time would not have helped the the quality of it at all because this thing i mean look it, this is vhs the, when i say setting itself up for the heights or, or or any sort of any sort of interest in in doing anything interesting or subversive of the genre or something like that i mean this is pretty low stakes right here but I, there's there's nothing here it's it's a pretty it's a pretty vacuous um story that has pretty uninteresting villains that don't reflect anything about the character. I mean, we don't we don't even really know anything about this person very much at all. There's there's an there's um one of the one of the things that I thought was interesting on this more recent viewing was that this guy has a, a phenomenal house. It's a, it's a gorgeous house that he's that he's staying. He's clearly in. very wealthy. And the and the and the and the closest that we get to having any sort of comment or reflection on that being part of his character is when he's talking to his doctor later on in the segment. Or I, actually, I should say a little bit towards the middle of the segment, and he says, "You're gonna you're gonna like fix my fucking eye or something like that." And it's this very minor throwaway dialogue that we never really actually get a sense that that's the quality that he has consistent throughout because he's pretty because he's pretty normal for the most part to the I other mean, people around I mean, no, him. No, he's he's kind of obnoxious to the to the girl. I mean, obviously this is just a girl who shows up at his house, but he is pretty obnoxious to her, and he's he's definitely kind of. Um, I, I, I don't know if we... I'm not going to say that this is this is very, very consistent, but I don't think that's the only time we see it. I, I think we do see that. I think we, we see a kind of arrogance and this sort of everything-comes-to-me attitude when he's interacting with her, even in the house, and even how he responds to her, uh, her sleeping with him. Um, which, by, which, by the way, is, is a very bad moment so uh, to, for yeah. the audience because you got explained it earlier basically what happens is she goes into the house he sees like this old man in like his underwear outside of the uh the window she says that was my uncle there's an, an implication that he molested her or something uh she takes her clothes off and is like i know how to get rid of him so they start to have sex he look you know he looks towards the uncle, and she's like, no, you have to pay attention to me. And then afterwards, he goes into the mirror, and he's like, hey, you scientists, I want a copy of that tape. Yeah, you know, you're right. It's, it's, it's bad. It, one thing I, I think, the first word that comes to mind when I think of Adam Lingard, I haven't seen that much of his stuff. I've seen one feature film from him, that's Death Note, and I've seen this segment in the wraparound from the last film. I think you've seen, uh, you've seen your next, and... Uh, and uh, his extremely atrocious Blair Witch sequel, soft reboot the the number one thing I, the first word that comes to mind when i think of him is immature it's he's not a, it's not the word that i that i first uh that i first think of think of when i when i think of adam winger but i suppose based on the things that you've seen i can understand why you would say that yeah i, I view him as a very immature filmmaker and i think that the, the last thing i want him to tackle is 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 in any way is child molestation yeah. Any implication of that. And it's also very, very uncomfortable and inappropriate that because to, to fight away this guy who molested her, she needs to get naked. And we have this scene that's basically just, oh, nudity, 
Which yeah, is, well, if, let's let's not let's we need to dwell on this for a moment because it is it is extremely transparent what that moment is where where she takes her shirt off she's already wearing like somewhat mildly you know like like clothing that that is clearly meant to be like oh a woman in a horror movie is gonna wear this so it can you know be like oh show off her body or something like that for the presumably male audience. And then you just have her, like, immediately, like, in one very quick motion, you have her take her shirt off. And then anytime he tries to look away and see the ghost, she directs the camera back towards her, her boobs in order to have him continue to stare. It's, it's, it's like you're, a, you're a, an embarrassing little, little baby, like, the way that you've directed this scene. And, and, and one of the things that we talked about a lot in the last segment, or the, um, not the last segment. Uh, the last episode. Yeah, the last episode. Thank you. Um, was the frequent sexism and 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 immaturity of of gender roles uh, it, it just overall that kind of sp- that really seemed to be the only commonality other than me, the uh, the the length of them and I feel like for the most part this is the only one that that has that kind of attitude as a hangover and and it it felt it felt this and the wraparound are the only ones with nudity even. Yeah. The wraparound, the nudity plays kind of a different role in it. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to say that like they 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 aren't putting it there to. Yeah, I mean make, he, like, zo- he zooms in. Masturbate, but like yeah, he zooms in on on her on her breasts really yeah. for like even though that doesn't actually help really that but much. I, I think it also in the, in the wraparound it plays a a role in in to it's supposed to seem kind of seedy still and, yeah. and showing you that this is this is not the. The best guy in the world. Like it plays more of a role in the story. This is just like it's it's transparent. It's just there so that fourteen year olds can watch this movie and and masturbate, which they could just as easily not spend two hours of their an hour and a half of their life to do, but whatever. Yeah, especially by two thousand thirteen, like you have porn, you could very easily access somewhere else. Stop shoving this into the movies, guys. Yeah, seriously, come on. For the record, I, neither of us are opposed inherently to nudity in movies yeah there are times when it's important there are times when it works there are movies that we both love that feature nudity sometimes even very graphic nudity yeah i don't watch movies however as substitutes for porn yeah i I would say that 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 in most cases i can i i can actually think of of horror films where where the where the fact that the person is nude is actually in a lot of cases where the horror comes from. Like if you think of like a Kubrick or like a, a Lynch or something like that or Cronenberg, that the fact that the person is so bare and and completely, I get, how would I, how would I say this exactly? They're completely they're exposed. Fucking, yeah, exposed. Yeah, they're they're exposed. Um, they're, they're they just feel completely just they have their defenses are completely separated from them. That's not what this. That's not what this is about this is this is as immature and as easy uh, a technique as as you could possibly get for a presumably male audience so what i'm ultimately left with is a character that i really don't feel like they've done almost anything at all to explore even in a superficial basic oh this is a horror movie and we just want to get you to like this character to some extent or even slightly be able to identify with him i feel like it fails at that if you feel that in the in the scenes where he's running around I can understand why you would say that. It doesn't affect me at all because I don't give a fucking crap about this character or this actor giving a bad performance. I don't care about his relationship with the girl. I think the horror is uh, is lazy and and really 
silly. Um, and I just, it, it, to me, it just reaches for absolutely nothing at all. I just, I, I didn't like anything about it. So other than the, the thing that you were talking about with the filming, what was the other stuff about it that you did? Because, because you're, you're agreeing with a number of the points that I make. Yeah. I'm thinking this. about that. Yeah. One. Uh, yeah. I look, it, it, I, I do think there's good things in the camera look and, and you, it, you're allowed to say I'm right, Jesse. It's yeah, fine. yeah, you're probably right. Okay, it's fine. Yeah, okay, it's okay. I'll, I'll concede defeat on this one. I'm, I'm okay. probably just wrong about it. Okay. Uh, one thing I do want to talk about before we, we move on, because I don't know if there's that much more to yeah, talk about the segment, is this particular segment confused me with its setting. Now, VHS, yeah. as, as a yeah. franchise, is set in modern day. And though they never have a title card where it's like, oh, in, 28, in 2013, 2012, but definitely it's coded as being today. Yeah. This is the only the only segment that I can think of in either movie where I look at it and say, is this supposed to take place in the, the future or something? Because there's something about... So I, I know that right now there is technology where you can restore someone's hearing. Yeah. It's not great. It's it's not as... You know, the, the, I, 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 I know people who who are, have hearing issues or are deaf. Or, you know, okay. there's a... Yeah, I I know that there is technology. I know it's controversial within the community, but they you know they, 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 those those do kind of exist. So whatever, I can kind of just go with that. Even in in Star Trek, there's not a perfect substitute for the human eye. Yeah. So there's something coded is really futuristic about having, first of all, a perfect replica of the human eye, that that is in your head like an eye and allows you to see perfectly except for these glitches and seeing ghosts or whatever and can serve as a camera. It's possible that that, that might be the thing is that he's so rich that he has the ability to get this kind of treatment. That I, I actually know that might be it. Because he did say that it was, um, that it was like an experiment or something. That it was, he was like a, sure, a yeah. test subject I, I'll, look, I'm not saying necessarily this is a problem within the segment. Mm-hmm. Whatever, you know, the segment can be set wherever it wants to, wherever, you know, Wingard wants it to be. I'm saying this makes the whole film less cohesive. Because I'm supposed to believe that this is being watched in modern day. Mm-hmm. So not only is it not just modern day, it's already happened and been recorded. And somehow this this kid has it in his, his house. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying saying this has anything to do with how I perceive the segment. Like whatever, that's, it's not a problem that you have technology that doesn't exist. That'd be an absurd thing to suggest. It is a problem if something you have in a movie makes ev- makes the the one the one whole film less coherent. Mm-hmm. It is a problem if it takes me out of it. And I, I'm thinking, sitting there thinking to myself, well, wait a second, how how? So when does this movie take place? Mm-hmm. I don't. I didn't have as much of an issue with that. The issue that the the stuff that I had with the setting was more. It didn't really feel like it was doing enough to reflect who this character was because he just he doesn't have much of a character. And and, and the only other thing I could really think about the setting was that it was kind of a weird place for for a horror film to take place if we're gonna have like the, even just the most conventional you know how. 1978 John Carpenter Halloween type of scares of like a person invades your house and it's supposed to be particularly uncomfortable because they're invading the place where you're traditionally going to be most safe which is the comfort of your own home 
It's like this guy's house is, is like a it's like a fucking palatial estate. It's not something that people are going to be able to really very easily relate to. Yeah. I, I, so so it's it's even even that like it's just not really a place that feels particularly relatable. I mean like there there are horror movies that I can think of that have not out outlandish settings but i but yeah I, I like i would use like the shining as an example or something that's that's a, a movie where you have massive massive ceilings it's always very well lit but to me the over the overlook hotel is a place that i feel like people to an extent can relate to because everybody's been in the in the lobby of a hotel or a really large room not everybody has been in 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 adam wingard's palatial estate which, by the way, I wouldn't be surprised if this was just filmed at, like, his house. Oh, I just assumed it was his house. Or either, or maybe he he wants us to think it's his house. Because Second it... segment, Ride in the Park, is directed by Eduardo Sanchez and Greg Hale. Sanchez is best known for co-directing The Blair Witch Project, which Greg Hale produced. The Blair Witch Project, of course, popularized the found footage genre and is likely the best film of its kind. The film opens on a cyclist with a GoPro on his helmet bicycling through the woods. He comes across a woman who's being attacked and... When he tries to help her, is bitten by a zombie. As a zombie, he attacks a couple and then a child's birthday party. Before a call from his girlfriend reminds him of his humanity, he finds a gun left behind by one of the party attendees and shoots himself. What a charming, charming little segment. No, it's actually so. Um, I, I'm, uh, I guess just to begin with our thoughts on uh, briefly on, on this director and the Blair Witch Project. I'm, I'm a big fan of the Blair Witch Project. Blair, Blair Witch Project is probably the best horror movie of the 90s. Uh, yeah, definitely is the best, at least the best found footage movie that I've seen. Yeah, nothing really even, honestly, starts to compare to it. I, I can't really think of anything that I would even really say is honestly even half as good as the Blair Witch Project. That's a found footage movie off the top of my head, but um, it is a very different kind of movie than this segment is. Yeah, uh, the, the Blair Witch Project. I mean, besides I mean, being a, a yeah. full length, and this is a short. And, and being said the way, like there, there are surface level similarities you can come up with, but it's not like they're just doing the same thing again. I know, I know that this filmmaker had um, a little bit of a weird career for a while. And I know that there's a lot of controversy about this director and how much of the, uh, the original Blair Witch really did actually direct and if it was really the actors uh, Heather Donahue and the other two that I can't remember off the top of my head even though I met one of the other two which makes me kind of sad that I can't remember his name right now but I I know that there's there's a, some controversy around exactly how integral he is in the in the production of the Blair Witch Project um watching watching this segment I was I was happy to see that I I, I feel like I I can probably more comfortably give him some credit for what it is about the Blair Witch Project that does work. The, the best stuff in the Blair Witch Project isn't the best stuff here, but some of the, some of the, the care and, and attention to, to details of, of genre filmmaking are, are present in this, and I, and I really, I, I, I actually really uh, enjoy this segment, even though I recognize that it has a lot of problems in it. Um, I, I like this segment overall. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't love it or anything, but I think it's okay. Clearly, this is a very just a very different kind of of movie than uh, than than by witches, and it's very different in in tone from that and from its predecessor. It's how do you see it as being different in tone? You know, the last segment is is it's trying to scare you. That's the number one goal. It is you know with those jump scares, and maybe at times there's a bit of a sillier tone. Obviously, the you know the Adam Wingard going into the mirror and saying, "I am, I, I want you to get." a tape of that that's the most be comedic but i i actually don't think 
the the number one goal of this segment is to scare me. Look, there's there's parts that are tense, like when they when he first encounters the woman and he's bitten and he's running away. Like that's that's tense. Like absolutely it is. Yeah. But I actually think of this more as a tragedy than as a a horror movie, a horror segment. Mm-hmm. The number one thing I think I'm supposed to feel about this is the tragedy of someone who based on no fault of his own is completely robbed of his humanity and identity and doomed to wander around but if it and, got... and eat people and kill people yeah. and cause terrible devastation wherever he roams wherever he roams this is about the pathos of a zombie yeah, I mean, I mean, framing it as a tragedy is giving it a little more weight than I feel like it's totally yeah, deserved. But, yeah, but I, I, I understand what, I understand what you're wood. saying. Yeah, no, I, I, I know what you're saying. Um, it's more, it's more of a like a, a drama, is what you're saying. I, I see it as, as still being more of like a of, a of a horror movie because I mean, for me, this is just a personal thing. I, I often have trouble completely framing zombies as being horror. It's just a personal thing. What um, I, what I would say is is that some of the some of the moments that are a little totally inconsistent uh, is that when when he's become a zombie and he, the way that that he sort of interacts with some of the other zombies at times can be a little can be a little intentionally silly like when he first tries to eat the wallet and then he tries eating the possibly eating the shirt but then he stops and he starts to eat the stomach and then the other person. Uh, the other zombie comes in and starts eating him as well, and then that zombie that's being eaten wakes up, and then they have to stop eating that. Zo- like like that stuff like that. They kind of do a little bit of silly. Sure, they, they do. Yeah, stuff. Um, but I I didn't have as much of like a tonal issue with this. One uh, as this it is not like a tonal issue. I don't have an issue with the tone. I'm just pointing it out. Mm-hmm. I actually kind of like how it manages tone. Mm-hmm. I I really I actually I really find this film to be really sad. I I, I yeah. I, I, like how this is managing and I, mm-hmm. I like what it's doing I, I, I don't have any issue with it the thing the thing that I appreciate the most about this segment is it does what I've always wanted to see a zombie movie do which is show the transformation of a zombie and actually really see it from the first person perspective like I really liked seeing somebody feel like they were not necessarily losing control over their body but but feeling like their their faculties were not completely their own or it's more just seeing like their body almost disintegrate really quickly in front of them just really strong sound design in his transformation scene i really like how it feels like he's he's just you you feel you feel like there's there's a progression of how much he's actually coughing and wheezing as it goes along that that feels I I really liked the main guy's uh, physical performance I thought I thought it was really uh, it was really good and his like his panting and grunting and all that fun delicious stuff was really was really great I I I, I really thought I, I you you talked in the other segment about believing. This person struggling and fumbling around when they're here. I I totally feel that here, and I really I really like uh, moments when he's when he where where you where you feel like and where this one uh, compared to the last one, um, it's not it's not exactly on level with his eye, but it's a GoPro. It's pretty close. Yeah, it's um, a more believable version of that. Scene yeah, right yeah. Um, where you feel like you are actually watching somebody vomit more aggressively vomit in in ways that i've actually never seen in a film before where it just feels like it's a continuous uh weak spray 
that just continues to come out of blood. And it was very, I, I, it was, it was pretty impactful. I, I really enjoyed that stuff. The, the, the problem is, I guess, past that concept, I don't really know how much more this really has to say. I, f I find the characters to be a little surface level overall, even though I do feel for the person in the situation. Um, I it's feel like more of an everyman than anything. Yeah, yeah, developed. yeah. I would definitely. I, I, that's a, that's a good way of describing it. Is that he's he he? It reminds me of. I know you haven't seen this movie, but uh, Cillian Murphy in uh, in Twenty Eight Days Later, where it's where it, where the point is, is that it's just some guy that goes through this really frustrating, to say the least, unfortunate situation. I d I don't always really love seeing films where it's really just about getting completely drawn into, oh, this is a person in a, this is, this is a human being in a situation. I rather, I would rather see a character in a situation. And that's not to say that this guy doesn't have character. I just, I really just was not particularly invested in, in following him that much but when he is in these really stressful situations and predicaments and all that great stuff I, I I'm, I'm fine with following him I just I'm not so interested really in what he's going through um, no, I, I agree I 100% I agree I think that he's not I would rather see a developed character than an everyman you're not even a developed character because it's 20 minutes and you don't want too much time you know I, I'd rather someone who we saw take a bit more of an active let me actually Put a pause on that. I, I do think you do see some, a bit more than you give him credit. Like clearly, he's someone who, at the very least, he is very, very active in helping others. Like not only mm -hmm. is he does he stop to help this woman, which is like a whatever he's in the middle of the road, road thing. She's he's very actively trying to help her against these these things that are going after her. He there's there's something about that I think is is quite likable. Mm -hmm. With that said. For the most part, he's just an everyman. And I'm not... I'm sad for him because I'm sad for a human being in this scenario. And I think that it's good at capturing what is essentially sad about becoming a zombie. I, I, I don't care about the ending because I really care about this guy and his relationship with his girlfriend and, and how he's responding to this. I don't think that I necessarily call it a problem so much as it's not achieving more. To me, I'm not sitting there thinking like, oh, I really wish he was developed more. I'm sitting there thinking... This is what it is. I'm okay with it. I'm, I'm not going to give it extra credit because it didn't want to do more and, and fail at it. Mm -hmm. But I'm not going to. I'm not going to say it's a problem so much as this isn't what I prefer. But I liked it for what it was, and it's something definitely something like regardless of whether I recommend the movie. If someone said, "Hey, should I just watch this segment?" I'd say, "Yeah, you, you have a good time with yeah, it." Yeah. To it's, me, the most interesting thing about the film is that it does play around with zombie lore in a, in a pretty interesting way. And like, like I said before, I just, I, I mean, I would, I would love to know if there's another uh, film like that out there. I feel like I recently heard about one, but I can't remember it off the top of my head, but about, about actually really feeling the process of turning into a zombie and, and feeling like you're losing control of your own body and your, and your ability to think and stuff like that. Not to say that this goes into all those things, but it does go more into the physical side and, and the body horror of just seeing parts of you just sort of fall off and and removed and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, like him like biting off some of the skin of his own arm like that. Yeah, that, yeah, no, it's 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 pretty it's, good stuff. Yeah, it's good makeup effects. Mm -hmm. It's legitimately quite uh, quite frightening. Yeah, uh, something about the ending just sort of moving forward a bit mm -hmm. that that 
was interesting to me, I, I, I might not have liked so much, is, so, it's one of those horror movies where they're very careful about not killing the kids, because he clashes yeah, a child's bo- children's birthday party, and look, I'm not, I'm not delusional, I, I know why maybe they'd be a little nervous about killing a child. Mm-hmm. There's, there's just something a little too convenient about they invade a children's birthday party and it just so happens that every one of the children survive and it's only adults who are killed. Yeah. This, this isn't like a huge deal, but it mm-hmm. is distracting and I definitely was sitting there going, oh, okay, this is what they're doing. I mean, I guess it's kind of obvious that's what they're doing. Yeah. Like, but... the the thing I would compare it to is, like, a, like a Stranger Things, which I know they're, they're valid criticisms that you can have with that as a series, but one thing you certainly can't beat up on that series for is is, uh, is playing it easy on the kids, and, and it, you actually feel like they have the capacity to die because of that. So I can definitely think of a zom- zombie land. Look, there's no part where you see a kid getting bitten, but in the beginning of the movie, there's a part where you see a bunch of zombie children. There's clearly an acknowledgement yeah. that, you know, if there's a zombie apocalypse, the, the kids are going to go. They're not going to be yeah. not going to be so equipped to defend themselves. And I know you haven't seen, like, you know, the, the classic Romero ones, but uh, uh, in the least spoilery way I possibly can, in, in Night and Dawn of the Living Dead, there are, there are children in those... There are children zombies in those movies that, that have... I'll just say memorable sequences. So I mean, this is this has basically been there since the establishing of the fucking genre. Like, just guys, come on, like, just do it, okay? Yeah. Seriously. Um, the thing, I, I, there were elements of the ending that I enjoyed. I, I liked seeing all these parents sort of really frantically doing what they could to put the children first and get them away from the zombies as quickly as they could. This is again what I'm talking about, where I feel like some of these would just be better if it was feature length. I, I would have liked to have even just a little bit of time with these people even even like just having and again i, I understand for the short format that's in it this is like you said before this is standardly generically fine this is fine i i actually could imagine being legitimately upset seeing a a, a, a person that i at one point liked turned into an antagonist and without any control over his own body he's just wailing on these people that we also like i i i feel like i i could have really enjoyed that and i could have responded to that i could i could have responded to the things about the segment that made it strong and memorable as opposed to the stuff that just made it feel like a generic horror short i i definitely don't think i needed a feature length of this i think that that could have overstated its well it's welcome because it could have gotten very 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 repetitive it's fair but three more minutes of time before he's before he's turned into a zombie. Yeah. I, I think I think that'd be that'd be fine. I think the film would benefit from three minutes more minutes before he turns into a zombie to yeah. develop him a bit more. Some something I also want to mention before I forget, and it's something about this film that's kind of different from the last one. It's something we haven't really brought up so much yet. And funny enough, of all of them, I think Wingard may have been the one that did this the best. Uh, why it is that that certain things are being edited in a yeah. certain way? Um, I think it would make sense because he explains where at the beginning yeah, there's, yeah. A, there's a research company. Yeah, this one, yeah, it makes no sense. No, I, well, I, actually, I think this one makes slightly more sense because I feel like if there was this sort of outbreak and it was eventually contained, I feel like 
you would probably have like officials getting this stuff together and editing together like as much video footage as they could get their access to and like edit around and be like okay like this is the perspective of this one guy that got turned I, into a it, zombie it, like it I, makes I, no I could, sense I could, to me that they would they would cut the, 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 whatever the researchers would do would cut from them walking towards the party to a clip of the party that I'm walking towards. No, no, that, that's that's fair. That's 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 fair. The, the, Seeing the GoPro and when he's going through the GoPro and maybe jumping around, I could, I could, I could. Yeah, I can, I can go with that. I'm, I'm. When you when you talk about jumping to the birthday party, there should have been a more. It should have been tracking them going to the birthday party. I just think, I just think cinematically, which I recognize in a lot of ways isn't the form that this film is as interested in. But I, I feel like just cinematically, just completely following that character that's been turned into a zombie and just tracking him going and invading this birthday party actually would have just been a more involving way of handling the sequence but I, I understand what you're saying but I, I I would also say once they're actually at the party and we're like we're, we're mainly following him in the attack to like maybe get a sense of like where it is that the other people are running to I don't know it was, it was slightly more believable to me than I guess you're giving it uh, credit for um the the wraparound segment um i guess is also fine because it's those those people they edited their own videotape together yeah well it, it, they're, yeah. they're being attacked just for the purpose of making a videotape so yeah, yeah yeah okay so yeah i guess that one makes sense damn it wingard i want to complain about you because you suck but i can't because you, you actually did this correct <clears throat> you did this all good like Safe Haven is co-directed by Timo Terjanto and Gareth Evans, the latter of whom is most well-known for The Raid and The Raid 2. The segment chronicles the story of a news or documentary crew interviewing a cult leader who may have engaged in inappropriate relations with the children. While there, we learn that two of the crew members are having an affair and the producer is pregnant. The cult leader orders his followers to commit mass suicide as the producer is dragged down to a room which he gives birth to what can only be described as a horned demon. The last crew member left alive frantically escapes the cult, but is ultimately stopped by the monster. In the last shot, the demon calls the man Papa. The last crew member alive starts laughing uncontrollably with the demon above him. And I want to begin by just saying this is the best segment of the franchise. Yeah. This is, this yeah. is a really, really excellent segment. This is... It's, it's really engaging. Right from the first moment, it's engaging. So they have a very good initial explanation for why this is being edited the way it did. It is. It's a news crew, a documentary crew. You know, someone got a hold of this footage and is editing it together for that or for whatever other reason to figure out what's going on. And they're interviewing this, this guy who's giving a pretty good performance who is in charge of a cult and... You get a sense of their dynamic pretty quickly, of how they relate to each other, and how they operate as a film crew. They're very good at their jobs. They're very they 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 work well together. They seem to like each other, although that is complicated later on in the film. And so, what right on the back? Uh, what what right the face of it? These are the most interesting characters we've seen so far. At least in this this particular film, these are they're, they're in the most engaging story because this is definitely different than you know I, I haven't seen as many cult movies. I, I don't know if you've if you've seen a lot of cult movies, Grayson. I haven't seen a lot of cult, cult movies. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen anything like this in the VHS franchise yet. Yeah. Well, I've definitely seen 
you know, the tapes, ghosts, and uh, zombies in, in, in VHS. This has, uh, you know, the, 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 I think I think my, this has people with a much more interesting job and a much more interesting story. So immediately, I'm a lot more invested, uh, and I think they're good at slowly building ten tension. I think they're good at, yeah. So they, I think they're good at at, at sort of establishing a very believable cult-like setting. Mm-hmm. This, you know, every, from, right from the beginning, something seems very wrong here, but. It doesn't necessarily have to be something supernatural and wrong. You know, this is this is a cult. They're acting creepy because they're acting creepy, and you already have the sense that they're hiding something. Specifically, that the leader may be sexually assaulting the children who are living in in this facility. Yeah, it's a strong hook from the beginning of really trying to get a better sense of like what it is that you're actually really seeing with with this community. Um, where in a lot of ways you're about as distant as the film crew is, and I like that. Um, it was it was refreshing to see a cult movie that was that was comparatively simple in its community. It didn't feel like like really needlessly jumbled and convoluted in its presentation. It felt like we were actually seeing the cult's natural reaction to to the actions of the of the film crew. Like it actually felt consistently like, oh, the film crew did something kind of kind of inappropriate. According to them, they would pretty much almost immediately just start saying something along the lines of, oh, you like you can't do that or like don't don't act in this particular way. Like they, um, like they ask they ask at one point if they could film the students in one of the classrooms and they say no and, and there's one point where she goes and one of them goes into the class starts interacting with the kids and, and they have have this reaction that's yeah like a little creepier and stuff like that like like that stuff is i i liked i liked some of that stuff even though some of it is like slightly conventional like oh this is like creepy dialogue of like oh your daughter will be, be like I, you know some of it yeah. every once in a while um but it was it was nice to see a cult not a cult movie where it felt like they weren't just dicking around the subjects for an extended period of time. I'm looking at you, Midsummer. Um, I don't know if I've seen that many cult films. I mean, like other than Midsummer, the only other one I can really think of off the top of my head is like Sacrament, a Thai West film. So yeah, a little bit of a connection. I like seeing almost like just shot right out of the gate. We just see that these people understand that something is wrong. And they don't have too much time to debate whether they should go or not. It's they don't really have a chance because they're immediately trapped. If that may, if that makes sense, I, I that that felt believable to me, and um, and and I thought that a significant portion of it was was pretty strong visually. I I liked a lot of the of the, of the creepy cult stuff, um, even though some of it, like I said before, was sort of conventional. Oh, this is like a scary horror movie kind of imagery, like the thing we we're talking about. Like, oh, I mean, like the, your baby's gonna be beautiful. All the all the girls, specifically only girls, uh, uh, looking into the camera and laughing hysterically because for some reason it's creepier when when women are laughing hysterically than when men. You, you know what I mean when I say yeah. that? Yeah. So I mean, like stuff like that pops up every once in a while, but for the most part, I would I would say that's pretty strong, uh, creepy cult imagery. You know, a man exploding. And yeah, I, I think stuff. that there's what, what they're good at doing is they're good at building to the mania that follows, and the mania uh-huh. that follows is 
fucking terrifying. Yeah, it's the, really the, good. The, scene with the, the scenes where they're all just killing themselves is really frightening, but I think even more importantly, the scene where this last film, film crew operator is fleeing the facility because of this demon that was born is one of the scariest things I've seen in a while. Mm-mm. And it's so frantic, and he's, he's just everything, you know, just like he's rushing through. And at that point, it's become a chaotic mix of subgenres. Yeah. You have the cult film, which is what this overall is. Mm-hmm. You have this demonic story, because you have, like, you, you have, like, the Rosemary's baby, like, demonic giving birth to a demon story with with a demon behind him that's killing people and you have the zombie story because everyone is that killed themselves is now risen up and is a zombie now and it really works because it doesn't it doesn't feel like it's confused in that mania it's it's one of the few movies with the zombies that i've seen in recent years that is actually very good at keeping those zombies serious actually taking them seriously there's something very very frightening about without any expectation just seeing them have risen back up again not like trying to bite you but just there's a generally antagonistic threat that more importantly than anything is preventing him from getting the fuck out of there yeah and and it's and it's it's what I like is it's the variety of things that are constantly swarming at him that in some cases I don't really know if he would actually would have been able to get away from a gigantic horde of zombies that had pinned him to the ground but this is a um, it's not a problem for me at all. I, I, I think it works. I, thought, I thought that was a little bizarre, but um, there's, it's fine in context. Um, but you were you were really that invested in the in the sequence when he was running away. I, yeah, I, I did I did I did enjoy it uh, a fair bit. I wasn't nearly. As, no, I, I, thought, uh, I was really. I thought it was really really frightening. I thought it was, mm-hmm. it was this wonderful mix of genres of genres. I think it was this. I, I think it was a a, a wonderful wonderful climax to what everything was building up to mm-hmm. yeah I, I really really loved it. Uh, it it I think also part of it is these there's I think it builds on what generally was creepy about this cult is that these people who are very you know who, who seem generally antagonistic and creepy this you know you you, you so you see him like running through this whole facility and, you know, first of all, the fact that he's so far on the ground, especially when he needs to leave, that mm-hmm. is, that is, which is already was creepy when he first went down there, is even creepier when he goes back up. And, all, you know, going through all of these people, revisiting the, the people who shot themselves, which is already a very, very frightening scene. You know, you know I, I think that that really, it, it revisits everything that was set up. Because what I like is everything on, on that route was something that was... That they, that they built towards. So mm-hmm. it was felt like a very, very, very owned conclusion. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm happy you were... I mean, I, I don't really know if I have too much of a, of a concrete uh, reason to say exactly why it was that I wasn't as invested in all the reasons was it that you that, just gave. But... Was it that you weren't invested in the adultery story? Um... I, I felt like... I felt like for the for the most part that wasn't the most necessary thing so it may have just been when it was that they decided to bring that up i feel like 
they probably could have done a little bit more to introduce that as as an element of tension between them a little bit earlier on. Not to say that it's not there whatsoever, but it really only becomes a more prevalent thing a little bit later on in, also, the, in the segment. And, yeah. and it, it just feels... It felt bizarre that all of a sudden we're just putting a few minutes of, of focus where we're kind of stopping what the tension was, which is, oh, like, what's going on with this coal? Yeah. And then suddenly we're just, we're just talking about, like, oh, this guy... Oh, apparently it's... A, I didn't even realize you guys were dating, really. I mean, like maybe I, I could have picked up on that, and maybe, maybe it was, really die, yeah. But so so it just kind of comes up all of a sudden, and it's not really like we actually reach much of a conclusion about. I mean, we reach a, a conclusion to the to the story that we are watching, but we don't really receive a conclusion to the plot line that like just bringing this up. And I, I guess it I think the, it also doesn't help that I think the scene where we find that out they're not giving I, I think they're generally doing a good job in this film, but I don't think that scene is played as as well. But I didn't I didn't have a problem with the way that the the scene was played. It was the dialogue is really uh It's very on the nose. It's very yeah, it's very on the nose where they're just like and this is the thing is that we had sex and you're the father, or so, it's something like that. Well, like at one point, like, well, I'm choosing him and not you. But I, I yeah, actually think the yeah. way she, I, specifically the way she's delivering it, I don't, I don't think is very strong. It's very unnatural. It's very, mm. it's like she didn't really have. It's very unnatural. I don't know. Uh, but anyhow, yeah, babe, it's a tad unnatural. It's like mm-hmm. she didn't really have quite. Mm-hmm. It's like she went into it without really thinking about what that scene meant to her and their relationship. Yeah. Like so that they they were able she's able to sell everything else in the movie, because there's a consideration. But it's almost like they didn't really think through that mm-hmm. the same way that I I. So it's like they were it was a surprise for them the way it was a surprise for me, yeah. which is not a good way for it to come across. I don't think that ruins it for me at all. Uh, but it, it was it's a it's a problem. It's the only issue yeah. I actually have in the whole segment. Yeah. Then maybe yeah, every once in a while a tad generic and uh, imagery that maybe is a tad generic, but I think. That, it's one of the only real yeah. substantive issues I have. I, I've I've probably been bringing up more problems than I, that's really even like I, I, I'm probably making it sound like I think this is weaker than it is. I, I think this is I think this is very good and very very obviously a preview big shock. We're not going to like VHS viral because that movie stinks. So this is probably the best part of the entire VHS series. Um, this is it's good. It's it's really good and. Um, it was it was interesting to see the, the filmmaker. Um, is uh, oh my god, what's his name? Something Edwards. Gareth Edwards. Gareth Edwards. Gareth Evans. Gareth Evans. Gareth, Gareth Evans, not Edwards, who made the, the stupid Godzilla movie. Um, uh, who is famous for the raid? It was it was interesting seeing him make a film where it was where a lot of the times it was more about. Uh, visual disorientation as opposed to the raid where where a lot of the time it's about like very cleanly <coughs> excuse me where the lot where a lot of the time it's about very cleanly following the action through and uh i, I will say i will say i will say it is also a little bizarre the the, the logistics of how it is that they're filming all this stuff i feel like of the four of them up to this point, this was probably the the weakest for coming up with a reason for why it is that we're seeing all this stuff presented in this way. What? I, but I disagree. Then what, what? No. Well, why? Why do you feel otherwise? Well, first of all, they've, they've established that why why they're there is an explanation for why it's being edited the way it is. There's mm-hmm. a news crew. There's a documentary crew. And yeah, but they're all dead. And... They, they found the they found the footage. No, no, no. For, well, first of all, they're not all dead. Uh, the 
the the last guy is still alive at the end of the of the film, and and he's, he's, de- he's dead. Come on, no, he's Jesse. still he's still alive at the end of the film. The was fallen. Second of all, the idea that they wouldn't find that footage. Of course, they'd find that footage. Of course, they were sent by people. They were sent by a news crew, or a company, or documentary company, mm-hmm. or something. Something so it absolutely makes sense. I don't need my okay. hand held to it. All right, that's and certainly we're going why we know why they're filming. The reason they're still filming, like even at the end, is because there's a camera wearing the button of his short so that they yeah. can film things. They can just walk into places where. They, so it totally makes sense. No, I, I think that this okay. is absolutely. This is this totally makes sense in terms of why we're seeing it the way it presented. The I'm, way not, it I'm not thinking the logi- I'm not thinking the logistics of why are you filming it in this way i'm thinking the logistics of why it is that you're cutting back and forth between like the interview and and this person's like travel i, I, I think that the fact and, that the news or documentary contributing or whatever they're doing I, I think i think that that for me explains it well enough yeah but they're not going to release that footage in that way as a segment i no. they're and they're not and if they want just the raw footage they're not going to they're not going to cross cut that's just, that's just you wouldn't do that if you yeah, just want raw I, I think even if it, uh, even, whether they use it or not, I look, I don't need my hand held into we're going why I, I have enough of the explanation that it's fine I don't think I need this big explanation of you know the, oh the police were editing it together for the, or uh-huh. the news company was you know I, I there are tons of reason the the tons of reasonable explanations as to why I'd be edited again this way that's all I need all I need is it for not for it to, is for it to not not make sense okay. that's all I need um the guy is dead at the end of the sure we should talk about this um so so and by the way even if he is dead which he's not um which or even which if he is dead which i I said that incorrectly it's a daffy duck moment uh uh, duck season um it's it's not like that that demon monster is going to be allowing him to sit over a computer and edit the footage himself so so for you to say that like the all, crew all is need, still alive well, first of all he is he is wild. he could be still alive after this second of all all i need is a reasonable ex- is is to be able to come to a reasonable explanation i don't need my hand held through this i do not think that's inherently a problem the you know, I don't think it's hand holding. I feel like that's a no. Little it bit is hand holding. It would be hand holding. No, it, it would be hand holding for for them to feel a need to explain why we're seeing it the way it is. All I need is in this context. All I need is a reasonable explanation. They're a news company. That's why they're in there. They need the footage somehow. Cool. Fine. Whatever. We've been consistently asking all of I these know, segments that I know, found footage I think, to have I, a reason why it is that it's being presented are, like I think this. the other ones... Yeah, I think that's a fine thing to ask. I agree that it's an important question to ask. Mm-hmm. But at a certain point, if you, you do need to take the film in its own terms... Yeah. I I think it's important to ask these questions, especially because these all ended up as VHS tapes. Mm-hmm. Which, as a side I note, think, again, it's stupid that they would transfer these things to VHS tapes instead of just have it in their original format, but that's a side note. Please continue with what you're saying. I think that, however, that when you go into this thing with, well, but they're all dead, so who would, and they wouldn't release this footage, what you're doing is you're not taking the movie at its terms. Mm-hmm. That's not a fair conversation. It's fair to ask, well, if no one, you know, in Tuesday the 17th, for example, from the last movie... Well, if they're all there, it's all in the middle of the woods. Who's 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 editing this together and why? Because we're taking the movie on its terms. I don't. I think that the way you're handling this conversation in this segment mm-hmm. is not. I think that what you're saying would be a little bit more fair if the way that I was framing it was was basically saying this movie doesn't work as a result of it. There, 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 there are stronger found footage movies we were just talking about the Blair Witch Project where at the very beginning of that movie they talk about oh okay look they 
you know, they found this footage, they edited it together in an attempt to find more information on Heather Donahue and the, uh, the other two guys that uh, that went missing in the in the woods. And right from the beginning, just with that title card, you're immediately like, okay, this is why it's edited that way. This is why it's produced this way. And the re and it's really easy for them, for the logistics of this to be edited in this particular way anyway, because we only have two cameras to edit footage between. I this one, this one, we have plenty of other ones. And you know, it it is if it's it's the same thing that we but, talked about. It, it's the same thing that we talked about in the last review or the last episode, where if you're gonna have your film presented in this particular way, you you should probably have the logistics of the format figured out. That's 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 the reason why it is that I assume that you chose to do it in this format is because that was the best way to tell the story. And I do think that they tell the story very well of it, with it being found footage, but it would also be good if you have the logistics of it figured out, and I don't I, think they did entirely. I, I think that this film is a very different kind of found footage movie than Blair Witch Project. I mm -hmm. think Blair Witch is a kind of found footage, which most found footage movies are, which is trading in unrealism. The idea of Blair Witch, the Blair Witch Project is that you have to... Ex is that... Is the idea that this feels as real as possible. Yeah. This feels like it really happened. Mm -hmm. I think that this is going to sound like a problem. I don't think it is. Yeah. This movie does not quite traffic in the same circles. Yeah. This movie is not. I'm not saying that it's not. It's it, it's living in movie land because mm -hmm. that that that's that's a bit harsher than what I mean. Yeah. What I mean is this movie is not trafficking in. Oh my God! Is it really real? Blue Witch Project is a movie where it knows it's successful. If at the end of the movie, people are saying, "Oh my God, was that really real? Did that really happen? Is that, that is, am I just watching like a snuff film?" I mean, those people are fucking idiots, though. Yeah, but yeah. but you know what I mean. Like the the movie is successful if someone believes uh, that, and you know, I think that that's the goal of that movie. This movie is much more comfortable with the understanding that someone is sitting down and going, "This is a horror movie." And not a snuff film. It is not, and a couple movies in this, in this particular segment, um, a bit more like this particular, um, yeah, film are more like that. The, the next one's one kind is, of like that. The, I actually think the next one is is a bit more naturalistic. This this the first one is is a bit it's more living and we're comfortable with them thinking that this is a movie. Mm -hmm. the, the, this one I I think is 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 trafficking in a different kind of circle, so it has different kinds of obligations. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I think I think that with just about any type of found footage, I I expect for those sorts of logistics to be figured out. Otherwise, I'm going to question why it is that you chose this format, other than it was a cynical cash grab. Because in the early 2010s, this was the genre to be. So I, I'm just I I I I, I, th I definitely can think of of a lot of reasons why they chose this format for this. I, I don't think that that's ever in question. It's it's a lot scarier. In this for this film, when he's running through mm -hmm. the cult and it's in first person, and you're seeing people just surrounding him constantly, yeah. and it's not running after a, a guy in front of you with a camera behind him. He's running at you, your face. Yeah, no, I agree, and I'm and I'm happy that they decided to make it found footage. And I also feel like this conversation is making it sound like this is a much bigger problem to me than it really is. I'm just trying to make it clear why I think it's important that we bring up the the issue of logistics with all you know, of these films. I, I don't necessarily think that's why. I think that I think that the logistics are believable 
for this movie. I would say of the four of them, it, for me, it's the least believable, but that doesn't make it horrible. I can no, think I, of I think that's, way think more found footage. I, honestly, I think probably more than half of the ones in VHS are probably less believable than than the one in this. I'm thinking of the first film, because goddamn, that, that had six segments. Jesus Christ, that movie was long. The um, uh, one thing I wanted to talk about before we end up moving on yeah. is how this differs from the other segments because yeah, this is different from anything else we've seen in VHS for a few reasons. Firstly, it is it, it is using professional cameras, mm-hmm. like really, really professional cameras. It is Which for some reason is being coded into uh, into a VHS format, which I'm not going to get over because it's stupid. The uh, it's also a lot more serious in tone and consistently serious in tone. Mm-hmm. Not to say that they never crack a joke or something. You know, the cameraman clearly is a bit more of a comedic character, and a little out of his element. Like when he's trying to interact with the with the cult leader. And I even think there's something kind of humorous about his death. But at the same time, the the first movie had a clear comedic first movie, first segment had a clear comedic scene. Mm-hmm. That was when the old man shows up and they have sex and the interaction with afterward. That's a comedic scene. Yeah. When you're forcing, when everyone becomes a zombie, there's something comedic about that. In the second segment, there's something comedic about that. In the next movie, there there are comedic segments, though that was a bit more serious in tone as well. This is not just serious in tone; it's it's taking itself very seriously. Mm-hmm. It's very mature. It's dealing with issues like ch- like like child molestation and and cults. It's very it's fairly tasteful in the way it does it. Too. Yeah, I tell yeah. you, it's no, it's very tasteful. I think that it is. There's there's a part of me though. It's like a big part of me, that that wishes it was just a separate thing. That it wasn't yeah. part of VHS, and it was just its own thing that was released in festivals, mm-hmm. because it does, it's really excellent, but it does stick out like a sore thumb. Yeah. Another thing about it that I, I do want to bring up, and this is probably going to be something that we're going to have a more of a conversation about when we get to our final thoughts on this film. Um, this This movie is significantly longer than I think just about any other segment in any of the VHS movies. I actually looked at it. It, it is 30 minutes. It is a third of this movie. Um, and it's owned it because it's the best segment in the whole franchise. Yeah. It's really, really good. I, I, wanted to, I wanted to ask you about something. Did you, we, last time we talked about how obviously Amateur Night was put at the front because it was clearly the best one and you want to hook the audience in even after the stupid frame narrative probably could have put them off a little bit. Why do you think they didn't put this one at the front? Do you think why it was for pacing's sake? Yeah, my guess is it's for pacing's sake. Mm, okay. Yeah. Also, it's why it's why at a probably at a point where they in the frame narrative where maybe they could they felt mm. like they could they could have a larger break. Yeah, that's. No, I think you're probably right. Um, I mean, the thing is, like, I I probably this placement is at the best place it could be. I I definitely couldn't think of. Beginning with this and then going to any of the other segments would have been too sharp a contrast. And beginning with a 30-minute segment is probably a non-starter. And Mm -hmm. ending with this, like, it would have been impossible to get into the most important part of the the wraparound, which is the end. Yeah. I think you're right. Right after this. So probably where they are is, is where it needs to be. 
and the ending with the two segments to take itself themselves a bit too, a bit more seriously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's fair. Uh, just want to say, I just really, I would like to emphasize um, how strong I think most of the performances are, specifically the cult leader. He's great. He's yeah, really, he's really good. Uh, he's very, he, he switches from calm to manic in a very believable way. Very quickly, too, which, which, which makes him come across as even more intimidating uh something that i had the only one of the only consistent things that i have noticed in cult movies is that it is important to have a a central leader that you can identify as being the leader of the cult and you are intimidated by them but also kind of charmed by them at the same time and i feel like i don't know if i would exactly call this guy charming but i could see why it is that there would be people who would find him charming but i i could i could definitely buy why it is that that people would be following this guy, which is which is often a, an issue that you have with a lot of other uh, villain performances and, and just villains in general um, in, in a lot of different types of media, but that's a rabbit hole conversation for another day. Um, I think what's so good as well about the moment where he just freaks out and he kills the cameraman is that there is, it's, it's a believable cause and effect. Mm-hmm. He interrupts, he says, don't interrupt. He interrupts again. And he goes, you did not listen. And then he sort of freaks out. And it's more yeah. of a consequence for actions. Yeah. And it, it's this very believable progression. He's already annoyed because they've just been le- left him there for like a while. And he's mm-hmm. just, he's supposed to be interviewed. So he's just like, I'm left with you. Yeah. What are you? And everyone else is just walking around this facility. Mm-hmm. So there's this good, and he, and he balances that line very believably. And that's hard. That is a difficult thing to do. You need to be a very, very talented actor in order to do that. Mm-hmm. I don't think any of the actors from any of the other segments would have been able to pull it off, at least from what I see, saw of them. Adam Wingard could, certainly could I was just about to say, that. sarcastically, that maybe Adam Wingard <laughs> could pull it off. No, it's, it's very... It's, it's very believable. It's it's really creepy. It is... It, it, it's, it just balances all the, those lines just right. He is a wonderful, wonderful villain. I'd say him and the the... I call it the siren because that's what the the uh, the volume adaptation calls it. The siren from Amateur Night uh, are, are right on the same level, and he he has a lot more time than she does. But I think mm-hmm. sort of it, it, obviously doing very different kinds of performances, but definitely the two best villains of this franchise. Okay, yeah, I would agree with that. The final segment from before the alien abduction is directed by Jason Eisner, most well known for Hobo with a Shotgun. This time, the camera is a GoPro strapped to the head of a dog, as kids have fun while their parents are away. The older sister brings her boyfriend over, and the younger brothers invite friends for a sleepover. Just as, thing- as things are about to get interesting, however, they are attacked by aliens who seem intent on abducting them. They're captured one by one, with ultimately only the dog being left behind, having been killed. So, this, I think this is the worst segment Mm-hmm. of of this movie. This is this is actually the fourth segment for me that I watched and was just like, oh, okay, th- yeah, it's it's still VHS. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I I felt that way about about the wraparound in the first one and and this one. So this one, I I like the wraparound, and even though I I I think while discussing, I I found there were a lot more issues with the. Uh, with the first segment I initially thought of, this is the one to me that just seems the most VHS-y. So the first, the first thing I'd just like to mention is I have, it is so 
difficult to distinguish the characters in the first segment. Mm-hmm. And part of it is there's, there's surprisingly a lot of them. So let's ignore the parents. And then there's there's the there's the sister. Mm-hmm. There's the boyfriend. Yeah. And there's a bunch of kids. And I know one of them's the brother. And I, I think there's two brothers, actually. And then they have a couple other kids come over. And it's hard because, it, you know, the because the, a, a lot of this film is filmed on that GoPro attached to that dog. It's very chaotic. And the camera's moving a lot. And it's difficult to get a good sense of people's faces and how they are acting and how they're acting different from other people. Which is more acceptable... When the film gets to its the, the horror segment and they're being abducted and they're running around, it's not really acceptable at all in the earlier parts of the film where that's absolutely not what's happening. It's absolutely not acceptable in the earlier parts of the film where we're supposed to be seeing, I guess, character development, and there's quite a lot of it. There's quite a lot of time devoted to the kid picking on his sister and the sister picking on him and them just doing random stuff. A lot of time for them to just not bother developing the characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like that's a, a tiny bit of a, of a straw man argument to say that they're not developing any of the characters and I should just make this as clear as possible before I start defending this segment that this segment is bad and I didn't like it, and I thought that there was a missed opportunity here, so that just just putting that out there from the beginning. I thought that from the beginning, this felt like... This actually felt like like two groups of, of siblings that are at different ages fucking around with each other. I actually thought that this felt pretty genuine in the first half where where the the relationship is slightly more antagonistic in the way that they're going to fuck with each other. It kind of escalates in the way that they're actually going to be uh, messing around with each other. It begins with, oh, I'm going to squirt you with my water gun. Oh, I'm going to put you, I'm going to lock you in the dog cage. Ha ha. But like, I'll let you out like a little bit later. Like once, you know, like... The, the, the friends but, lock the, one of their friends in the dog cage. They don't lock the when the the older kids don't like them in the dog cage. I mean, I guess I'm just saying in general, seeing like the fucking around escalating. But no, I, you're right. That is important to point out. Um, and Which then is- and then seeing how they're like, oh, you're gonna like, like you know, do whatever else to your brother, and then he's gonna like threaten to release you masturbating and stuff like that. I it felt it actually did feel like these people were sort of progressing the the way that or the film was progressing the way that these people were were messing around with each other and that felt real i don't i don't like any of these characters really but i I do think that that it shows the more antagonistic relationship that the brother and sister have and how you know when 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 you're when you're at a person's house and there's like a more antagonistic relationship the person that you're there with like, they're more of your, your frame of reference when you're there. You're more likely to take their side. So it ends up being this kind of, like, two parties kind of, like, up against each other. I don't think it's, like, amazing, but I'm just, like, I thought I did a pretty fine well, job of, of, of capturing I, I, that sort of social dynamic. I just understand behind why I said we're going to character development. Look, these are developed as groups, but that's mm. not the same thing as character development 
because they're not developing the characters within the groups. They're developing mm -hmm. the groups. Okay, that's I think true. That's they're fair. developing that's the fair. groups, and it's true that they're advancing in the antagonism. But yeah. I can't distinguish any of the kids. Mm -hmm. No, that's there's a problem. No, the that's one fair. That's fair. Masturbated towards the end, and they caught, and then there's yeah. the other ones. Oh, there's the one in the cage. I, I, don't, I can't tell the yeah. difference between them. I can kind of tell you, and I can tell the difference between the girlfriend and the, her brother yeah. because they look different, but I can't really tell you anything different about them except mm -hmm. that he's... The, the one thing, maybe he's a little bit more antagonistic towards... Yeah. The kids, but I can't really say. So I don't think it's the same thing as character development. That's that's certainly interesting, and it's certainly a thing that they do. Mm -hmm. But it's not the same as character development. And they're spending a lot of time on it to not give me a sense of who these kids are. That is a yeah. problem because they are not abducted as groups. Yeah. No, that that's fair. What what I would what I would say is. Uh... I, 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 and, and actually also to add on to the, to the point that you're making, I, did, did you have an issue telling when certain kids in the group had left? Because, yeah. because, yeah, because the, yeah. because the group sizes, uh, specifically the people that were hanging out with the sister, it seemed like it, it, like it, like it dwindled yeah. as the day went down. Yeah, so and in I, the beginning of the day, yeah. for the audience, just to let them know, in yeah. the beginning of the day, she invites her boyfriend and a few other friends, clearly, and they, that's who they squirt with Wado, but then later, like, it's clearly just the girlfriend and the boyfriend, and, yeah, no, that, and I think that, that becomes yeah. a problem because it, it's, because you gotta at least be able to recognize the people that are on screen. That'd be nice. Like, to compare it to Friday the Thirteenth, for example, I the Friday the Thirteenth gets gets really really bad. It's a it's not a good franchise at all. I can't think of a single of a single Friday the Thirteenth movie where it was unclear how many people there are in the group of people who's going to die. Part seven kind of did, but I understand what you're saying. Yeah, I understand I, what you're I, saying. Yeah. I, I, it's not like it varies. Like I, I have my group, and this is the people, and yeah. this is the size of that group, mm -hmm. and maybe they leave and maybe they come, but we we see that happen. We see them die. There's, it's clear. Yeah. That's important in any horror anything where people are going to be picked off one by one. Mm -hmm. I feel like what we're saying is is a little bit closer. Than, than we're giving it credit for. I, I guess I felt like the way you were describing it earlier made it sound like they just weren't developing anything about these about any of the people whatsoever. And and I guess to me I see them to be I did to me I see them as being adequately I, developed as a group. They're not developed on an individual level. And I, I and I will I will I will agree. I would I will feel whatsoever. Like they they definitely develop them as groups. Yeah. But and now again as I said. And that'd be fine if they would, if if they were captured as groups. Yeah. Like an example of a movie where they characterize people, they talk, they deal with characters as groups, and it works. This is a very different genre of film, obviously. Is the Virgin Suicides? Mm-hmm. So, so the main characters of that movie, there's this group of kids, and they're more dealt with as a group than they are as a person. There's even a narrator and we actually don't know which of the kids they are. Mm -hmm. That has there's an artistic reason for that. And but it does work because it you know, it's it's making a statement on the group in general. I don't know how that would transfer transfer to, to this and I don't think we really get enough of a sense of them. If 
especially at the very least, we definitely. I think I would say there's there are definitely some of the kids there we get no character development whatsoever. There are very mm. few of the kids where them as individuals are characterized at all. Yeah, I, th- I think that's fair, and and one of the one of the things that is especially frustrating about this is you you've talked about how they spend a lot more time in this one than they do with some of the other ones um developing the characters like right in the park specifically could have used a little more time in the character development um he's like, nobody's likable in this one I, I will say that that specifically reminded me of of oh yeah this is yeah. vhs so just like everybody to an extent is is pretty pretty irritating for yeah. one reason or another and I think it's not necessarily just because they're pranking their siblings because look that's I've seen a lot of media that centers around someone antagonizing a sibling that is yeah. still fun or relatable there's so many cartoons I can think of that do mm-hmm. that I I think there's just these are just generally irritating personalities it, it just comes down to that they're I, it's just the moments when we're seeing them themselves, they're just I, they're generally irritating and they're generally irritating as a group. And I think maybe I actually think as the, Paul goes back to what I was saying, it could have done better if they were characterized as individuals because then I would have gotten a sense of who they are beyond people who antagonize each other. Yeah. It, again, bringing up the point that I want to make. Uh, about just about all these segments and as a very quick point I don't know if I would have really said that the last segment would have been improved too much if it was longer because it's a good length for it that was just a side note that I didn't make and I wanted to say and also um, even, at, even at its length it, I, I think it, something about it just comes kind of exhausting I'm saying about the last segment not oh the last oh, okay. oh yeah no the last segment is is at the length that it needs to be this one um, I actually think this one more than any other I feel like probably needed to be longer um because because the way that i feel about about it is any any sort of character stuff that's in here it's it's about how there's that antagonistic relationship between the the brother and the sister and you know it can start out as being like oh you know you're like this and you're kind of like irritating me whatever but when the but when the when the shit goes down like no you're my fucking brother and I'm gonna, I'm gonna make sure that you get out of here, and it's gonna be okay. All right, like that's that's the way that this, re- like, like that. If that's the closest we can have to anything that's that could possibly be called a character, like that actually is meaningful at all in this. And I feel like it would have been better if we had a little more time where we get to develop um, the sister, is like her relationship with the brother, something like that. Maybe we have a little more. Like this is just something off the top of my head. We have. We have uh, this, we have a scene with the brother and the sister before anybody else gets there, and they're like, like fairly ish, mildly combative. But the second that other people are around, um, you get the sense that they have this obligation to, yeah, to to embarrass the other one. But the second that they're actually put in danger, like just more, like the more that genuine side comes out, and all that could have come through if if they had more time. And also, um, what, what it also would have been good if they if they could have just. Uh, deleted the second half of the short because it was so terrible. The here's the thing is I think to an extent the length even the the length is a bit of a problem in, in, insofar as how long it is as being too long. Part of the reason that these two groups become 
irritating is we have a lot of time with them. I actually don't think what they needed was more time. I think what they needed was less characters. That's fair. What I, they, that's they, fair. They totally could have made do with it. They had enough time to, at the very least, maybe not in a, in a meaningful way, but in, in, in a, a better way, show all of this information. Mm-hmm. If a feature length of an another 20 minutes would just mean more of this, that would be unbearable. Because part of what... They, they overstay their welcome. Part of what makes it a bit of, a, of an exhausting movie to watch is I'm spending so much time with them and just them before the aliens show up at all for the first half of the segment. Which is 15 minutes, by the way. I just I do just want to keep this slightly in perspective, but please continue. Yeah. Well, keep in mind, though, I've, I've also already watched... Yeah, it's 15 minutes, but... It's, it's 15 minutes after, like, a long... No, that's long that's, movie, that's, you know, that's, that's, that's very fair. That's very so fair. I'm already... I'm already going into this with... I've, I've just watched a whole bunch of movie. Yeah. And I've just come off of a exhausting movie in a good way, which is Safe Haven, which is a... Which the ending is a, an exhausting and wonderful experience. Like, you know, very scary and intense. So I'm, I'm coming into it with a certain ad- attitude that... This movie is just not really equipped to deal with. And as a result, it actually feels longer than it is. I'm not going to say it feels like hours or so. But, yeah, you said it's like a 15-minute segment. When you're watching it, it, it feels it feels longer. I mean, I, that's, that's understandable. And I can, I can understand where you're coming from. I see, it, I see it all as being a missed opportunity, where I, I actually see little seedlings of things in the first half. The more genuine interactions that these irritating siblings have with each other, the potential for a setup and, and some stuff in the second half that could have implied that maybe there was something we were supposed to get out of their relationship when, you know, when everything is completely chaotic, they actually do start to care about each other in a genuine way. So I found that stuff interesting. And for me, by the way, that, that those, those kernels of interesting things instantly makes us more worth it to me than the first segment i i, I, just, I, I think there's I more just, to the filmmaking that's of worth than the first one I, I think for the part of the reason i'm just not as into this is it's not like these are character relationships that i've never seen before it's not even like the stuff that i've never seen before in in a horror movie you know to, you know so i i'm not going into this saying oh this would have been a really cool if they had really made the movie well i'm going into this saying okay this is something I've seen before, and it doesn't distinguish itself from the other films I've seen before. So, so what is there? Mm-hmm. But but you compare it to the first film, which did nothing. It had, it had no it, first segment. Or <clears throat> first? The first segment, which had nothing character wise at all. It's completely entirely vacuous, and at least this one, yeah, no, it doesn't it doesn't work. But it has the interesting kernels there where I can actually see what they were trying to do. And I think we both agree that an interesting failure is at least more worth watching than than something that doesn't even aspire to be much of anything. Now, a question of what the ultimate quality of it is, that's a, that's a separate conversation. But <clears throat> purely of what I'm going to respond to more, I'm going to respond to this, where it has at least a pretty good... Um, a couple of little ideas for its uh, for its first half and the stuff that wants to try to do with his characters. Now, the second half of, of this segment is the worst part of the whole VHS two. Um, and, you say, and, I'm, and you're not going to hear me disagree with you on that. But 
yeah, I, I would say that it has clearly higher highs than the first one does. And, and also, I should just emphasize that I, I wasn't nearly as impressed by the technical stuff in the first segment as, as you were. For me, at least, the first one distinguishes itself from... Uh, it doesn't... Like, there are elements of it that, that seem very in place with the first VHS, but at least there's stuff in it that, that doesn't. At least there's technical stuff in it that makes it stand out. To me, this is... I get nothing from this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. The... We should probably talk about the second one. Let's talk about the second one. So, they, the first thing I want to say is that they are attacked by as as generic a, a, an alien as I could probably come up with. It's yeah. it's just a tall version of the little greys. Mm-hmm. They look like uh, they look like the the aliens from Scary Movie Three, <laughs> and the aliens in Scary Movie Three are in, are intentionally made to look terrible because because they're they're making fun of the idea of oh the little greys or the things that are running out in, around in signs, and it's like guys with 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 alien masks on, and they have spandex gray suits. Like, that's what they have in Scary Movie 3, and it's a mildly amusing little joke that, like, oh, they look so cheap. Um, and they and they just, they looked like the aliens from Scary Movie 3 as cheap and shitty as they do in that one. They, the costumes in this are atrocious. They, they flop around. I swear to God, I'm not. I'm not trying to just say that to be funny. I the the at one point, one of the aliens, their 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 long finger tendril whatever things, they are they're right next to uh, like somebody's head, and the fingers uh, uh, flop. It's like you you gotta fix that. You don't put that like dead center in the middle of a of a of a moment where this is supposed to be scary, and yeah, it's it's an extremely lazy design. It's almost as lazy as as the ghosts in the first one, is what I would say. But this is ultimately worse than the than the villains in the, the in the first segment. Um, but it, the in conceptually, it's I would say it's about as lazy as the stuff in the first one. It's yeah, I, I think that it's it's a it's a um, I actually even say it's even even more lazy. I think that there's a I, I, I think that there's something even even less interesting about these because this is mm-hmm. just you know I, I think that clearly they didn't love the F, the F, whatever they were doing with the aliens because they didn't even they don't show them as much it's, it's mm-hmm. always in the background or in, very quickly in the frame and I'm guessing it's budgetary which is understandable because that's what VHS is it's all low budget yeah but if you're go if you're if what you're doing is going to look bad. Mm-hmm. At least be creative with it, They're, like like There's, what they did in the segment right before. Yeah, like the like honestly, I don't I I wasn't gonna bring this look, up. Demon doesn't look great. Yeah, no, like, but and uh, you know when it's kind of like going around uh, at the or when it's when it's talking at the end, the the lip movements look a little old bizarre and not and I don't mean that in a complimentary way. Um, but but those are talented filmmakers, and they they were able to shoot around in a way that actually was you're still able to make it intimidating. Yeah, uh, these aliens are not. They just look like a bunch of uh, embarrassing uh, PAs on a, I, on a I film think, set flopping yeah. their rubber costumes. E- even around. if were, even if the effect looked good, even even if they if it looked real, I just don't think I can ever at this point in my life 
feel intimidated by aliens that look like that. Yeah. And I feel bad for whatever very old movie that's probably good that I'll one day go back to and say, well, I'm not intimidated because of the aliens look like that. But it's just mm-hmm. been, it's just so ingrained in cultural knowledge that it's impossible to take seriously. Forget E.T. looks scarier than these guys. And E.T. E.T. Is, is... Would, if I was a kid and I saw E.T., I'd be a little scared. Yeah, no, he's a little scary at the beginning because he's, he's a big, uh, he's a big I, wrinkly I, I, man. You know, there's yeah. nothing intimidating about the same alien that has been constantly in a cultural mindset. I don't even know if as a... If if I saw it in person, I'd be that that intimidated by uh-huh. the aliens that just look like every alien I've constantly seen. There's even a there's even a joke in Paul, which is not a good movie, where they where, you know they make a joke about how well I, all aliens look like me because you know the gov- when the government when we meet aliens, the government wants us to to recognize them. Yeah, I mean that that's kind of the effect it has. If we look meet aliens and and they look like that, I mean this, we're just going to be kind of used to them. Mm-hmm. This is, I think it's also just not helped by the fact that the, the cinematography in this section is so chaotic and mm-hmm. you can't see anything. And look, I, I get it. That's it, it makes sense because it's the cameras on the dog, which by the I, which we'll we'll, we'll we'll talk about 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 the dog. Uh, yeah, but it's not that. It's dissimilar to the house cinematography is in the first half. I mean, it's a lot more chaotic, but it's just a more chaotic version of the chaos we've seen. It becomes legitimately difficult to tell where people are in relation to each other by the end. There's a, there's a point where, where very quickly we're just, there's a, there's a, there's a gigantic collection of jumbling and we've basically been almost transported out into the, into the middle of the lake and I'm not really sure if that's supposed to be spatial disorientation or if that's supposed to be. Which was at least what's the... supposed to be spatial disorientation. But I don't. I don't know if it's the aliens doing some sort of technical thing. And and the fact that I can't tell for certain is is. I mean, that's pretty bad right there. Um, I. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I think that there's nothing intimidating about any of these characters. It's ridiculous that they actually expect us to to take them seriously as as like as like werewolf little monsters that are just running around and just like grabbing you and just like pushing you to the ground and like beating you up or so. They they basically act like a bunch of thugs, which is really bizarre. They they act like a bunch of of stupid thugs who just kind of like waddle around. Yeah. I think it, it was it was. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I think just going back for a second to the to just to sort of how it looks because I I'm just sort of thinking about something here because the, I don't want to act like anything that's shaky cam is just inherently bad and they shouldn't be doing it and you know because that wouldn't be fair that wouldn't be taking the movie on its own terms. I think the big problem with the second half stems from what I said about the first one with not getting these people as individuals. Because A, I don't really see them being... It's hard to see them being taken. Mm -hmm. And B, it's hard to feel anything when they're being taken because I can't distinguish the kids. So, 
what I'm left with is a kind of confusion. And look, they want to confuse me. That's that's clearly what they're going for. But it's a kind of confusion that seems even contrary to that takes me out of the film, not engrosses me in it. It's a kind of confusion where I'm looking at at the film and I'm saying, what are they even trying to convey? Mm-hmm. Rather than saying, oh my god, I can't go, I can't, I don't know what's going on. What, you know, I, I hope they aren't killed or something. I think you mentioned that it was the last one. This is the one to me that actually makes the least sense why it's being shown the way it is. I would agree overall of the entire film. I would say this is the weakest. I was just saying up to that point. Okay. That one, yeah, yeah, because this one I. I look at and I I have no clue why we'd be seeing the footage of the kids the the parents leaving or all these things the kids are doing. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make any sense to me. So this this is the one where I look at and I say that doesn't doesn't really make sense and I don't at all think that this movie benefits from being found footage. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I, I think beyond having a dog we can kill, and don't worry, we'll get to that. It's so terrible. I don't... Th- th- it would be the same movie. It'd probably be a, a better movie, because we wouldn't be restricted by whatever we think they'd be likely to film. We could just show what's going on. So it feels this is this look in throughout this franchise there's there's been different you know we we've talked differently about how they different films operate as found footage and there are other segments in in especially in the last film where I I felt like it wouldn't be that much different if it wasn't found footage. This is the first one so far where I actually feel like it's restricted. By being found footage, mm-hmm. like it couldn't show everything it needed to show because it's found footage. Where it wasn't just unnecessary and a gimmick; it actively hampered the quality of the product. Yeah, that, that, I think that's a fair way of, of talking about it. Um, you've, you've talked about the the tone of, of of each of these films. What what did you what did you think about this one? Takes that? itself. A bit more, so the, I think the last two segments, this and Safe Haven, take themselves more seriously. Obviously, this isn't like Safe Haven, which is this like big dramatic story about, you know, this cult and yeah. this thing. But yeah. I don't know the the first half is clearly more lighthearted. Mm-hmm. But afterwards, it's it's definite. As soon as the horror starts, and it takes a while for it to start, but as soon as it starts, it's it's much more serious in how it's taking itself. And it's, it's definitively yeah. taking itself seriously. And definitively taking itself a lot more seriously than the the first segment, second segment. Mm-hmm. It is, there's, there's not a single joke once things start getting scary. There's no interruption. It is pure chaos and adrenaline. It's this to this to this to this. There's barely even a break. It's almost like a, uh, it's almost like an action film. Actually, I think the better way to describe it is, it's like we jumped 
right from the first act of a horror movie to the third act of the horror movie. Yeah. And with that same kind of tone. Where you have the the first establishing act, which is kind which sometimes has some more comic elements, but really it's it's mostly pretty serious and it's about these different characters doing their things. And then you have the third act of the movie, which is chaos, 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 chaos. Mm-hmm. I I agree with everything you're saying. Let's talk about the dog. How fucking embarrassing it is that they decided to end this thing with the dog. Um, so there are so many different layers for how it is that that the dog as as a, as a tool of of being the shocking. Uh, thing to to kill off in movies, just in general, how that's how that's always been stupid. It's always been lazy. It's always been pathetic. Um, I so you're saying you don't like that that cliche? No, um, it's it's a really embarrassing, cheap way to get to get sympathy from an audience, and it never ever works at any point. I think there's also just an extent... I mean, uh, you're a dog owner. I, I quite like dogs. Where I just don't like seeing it. And it's not something that I really want to have to see as a cheap cliche. Where it's... it One of the reasons I think it bothers me, it bothers me and I imagine one of the reasons it bothers you, is it... I just don't want to see it for nothing there's just like like you know it's it's like if you're going to this 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 it's a cliche and it's overused and there's just something about that that annoys me but there's also just something that annoys me about having this really cheap upsetting moment that's not fun to watch and exists for literally no other reason than oh this will make them sad and care about the movie even though they shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, uh, killing a, a a dog on screen is there's there's a universal understanding that really at the end of the day dogs are you know they're 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 a sign of of innocence. They're they're a very it's a they they don't really have the ability to to think in the same way that we do. They don't have the same ability to make moral, ethical decisions. It, it's it's really just like any pet in general. It, you can make the same argument, it's like for a cat or something like that. And you just kill them off. It, it's, the, it's the easiest way that you could possibly show, oh, this person or this, or this thing has no regard for innocence. And really, all you're doing is you're just you're just killing little little animals on screen in a really lazy fashion. And here, it's you you not only have a dog weeping on camera, but you also have its have its exposed uh, skull, which is which is just really excessive and in a, in a way that is not going to be getting anybody's gore rocks off. Uh, nobody's going to actually get invested in this. I mean, if you are, you're fucking weird. You're into dogs getting their fucking heads busted open. But I, I just, I, I, I just think it's such an easy 
d shallow way of of proving your your ability to just just throw down the gauntlet and say, oh, this is this is gonna be our our thing. We're gonna kill a dog, and it, even that, you know what? It's the end of the movie. Do that a little earlier. If you really want to show how cynical and mean-spirited you're going to be, do it at the beginning, not at the end. Because you're not proving that much more to us by the end. So I've I have seen movies where dogs are killed. I, so I'm not saying a dead dog is inherently bad. And, and I hope that it's not coming across that I'm yeah, saying that. Well, what well. I'm saying is that... Yeah, I understand someone saying, but that was really devastating for me to see. It's a dev it's a not a fun thing to see a, a, a cute little puppy, and he's a it's a very small dog with an exposed skull, slowly whimpering and dying. Yeah, it's it's exploitative in a way that's not entertaining in the slightest. I I don't want to see that, and I don't want to see it in a stupid little horror film. Yeah, and look, I like VHS too. That's what this is. It's a stupid little horror film. I don't need to see it. I don't need to sign up to see it. I especially don't... I don't want to see a dog die in general in that, but I definitely don't want to see a dog slowly whimper and die. That's not okay. It's not scary. And you're right. It. No one... There's a reason people... Go hounds are like really into the humans, like adults, and not puppies or babies mm -hmm. it's because there's a difference between a, a human adult person that where you I mean either way you know it's fake where you know there's just kind of fun there's just kind of a fun in indulging in the violence in a way that you're not usually allowed to in society and seeing like a baby being chopped in half like you don't want to see that that's that's something innocent that's something that is cute. You don't want to see horrific acts of violence against that. I, I'm not going to ever be into it. So with that little bit of intensity out of the way, before we go into our final thoughts, I just want to say something about the film in general. So one thing we complained about last time is that the Force VHS movie is oppressive in length. I mean, it's it's nearly two hours long. And we talked about how we just couldn't sustain that affect for that amount of time. This movie is a much brisker, about 90, six, 96 think. minutes. Yeah. Uh, and S I, six of which are credits, so it's really just 90 minutes. Yeah, about 90 minutes. And I actually, I that, which is a much more appropriate length, I think. Mm -hmm. It's much, it doesn't overstay its welcome. And so for that reason, you know, it, it, it's much, it's much brisker. It's much... It's it's kind of an easier watch because it's not as just exhaust. I mean, there is something exhausting with the last segment, the segment before then, very different ways. But they aren't. You know, I don't get to the end of it and think, okay, but when is it really going to end? I, I, it ends probably about the time that that it should. Okay, I, that's a, I think that's a fair way of describing it. Um... This one, this one is is at is at a more acceptable length than than the last one, and it really does significantly impact the impression that I have of the film by the time that it ends. Mainly because because I have it as a contrast with the last one. I mean, th that last one stands out as being uh, an especially long horror anthology like Creepshow. Yeah, I it, you you it stands out. How how much more important it is to have, especially an anthology where 
it's it's paced evenly with this one, and and I, and I that I just pretty much repeating what you said. I appreciated that about this one that they understood what was what I can imagine was probably the most uh, the most easily fixable uh, issue with the last one, which is that it was too long. Now they couldn't fix that uh, the filmmaking was uh, was bad and all the writing was bad and and all that great stuff. Uh, but well, I guess they kind of did. They just hired different people. Unfortunately, they kept Adam. Uh, but uh, yeah, they did the right thing, at least shaping the running time by 20 minutes. Thank you very much, guys. So with that, let's go into our final thoughts. Just to remind you guys, we're going to be rating the film out of 10. A 10 is a masterpiece. It's one of the best films we've ever seen. A 1 is essentially irredeemable, one of the worst things we've ever seen. 5 and a 6 are especially important ratings. 5 is the highest failing rating. That's somewhere from, it was fine, but not something I recommend, to something that's aggressively mediocre. A six is, it was okay, it was good. That's the lowest rating that would be a pass. And I'll begin. So, I do think overall I like this movie. It VHS 2 is much more of a hit or miss film, while the first VHS was very consistently a miss. Pretty much every segment was bad except for the first and a few of them I think there was simply nothing good about whatsoever. This one has its, has its highs and it has its lows. I do like most of the segments. I like the wraparound. I I, 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 I feel differently about the fourth segment now that I've spoken about, but I think that there are better things about it than Grayson necessarily gives it credit for. Uh, though it does have some of the lows of the film. Of the film. Uh, the Slumber Party Alien Abduction is definitely the the, one, the worst thing in this film, and it's, it's, it is pretty pretty bad but there's also safe haven which is really great and there are good things in the wraparound and there are good things even good things in uh and the wingard segment and i uh i do like uh the the zombie segment the widen the park and to me that's enough that i can definitively say that i recommend it because it's a good movie it's not a great movie it's not an excellent movie it's not a masterpiece it's not a horror classic but it's fun it's something that i could go to someone and say it's worth seeing as a whole experience rather than just picking out the individual segments I like. So, for that reason, I'm going to give this a lowish 6 out of 10. It's good. It's not great. If you like this kind of thing, it's definitely for you. Once again, though, if you're annoyed by found footage, I don't think this is really going to change your mind. I am completely on the fence about this, because here's, here's the way that I think. We we have a, a, a situation where, in the last episode, we talked about how it's important in most cases, to not use math to figure out whether you're going to give something a pass or not. But I think that it, anywhere where it's going to be appropriate, it would be an anthology. Because you're actually talking about, you know, we're talking percentages, we're talking about how much of each of the films did you actually end up enjoying. And let's just say, let's just average most, most of these out and say it's about 15 minutes uh, for the four of them and 30 minutes for the, uh, for the, for the one that was especially good. Uh, that I can't remember the name of off the top of my head right now, but we both Safe know. Haven. Safe Haven, thank you. So there's one that I liked, and there was Safe Haven. So that's about 45 minutes versus another 45 minutes that I didn't like. So I feel like the positives of the stuff that do work ultimately 
combined with the stuff that doesn't work about the segments that I didn't like, we're, we're pretty much right smack dab in the middle. And the thing that's going to tip me over to one side is that this movie, to me, does not justify being an anthology by the end of it. I don't feel like it's coherent as a collection of stories. I don't really feel like it builds to anything that even remotely feels cohesive. And I, I feel pretty comfortable saying that the 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 two segments in the middle are are worth your time for all the problems that they both have this this does not work as a as a film and specifically the it's the wraparound segment that's going to be the thing that that pushes me over the edge into saying I'm just probably not going to give it a pass because the wraparound segment does not justify the format that this is ultimately in and that makes me sad because there are a lot of things in this movie that really do work. Those two segments in <clears throat> those two segments in particular are strong, even though I don't think either of them are are great. I'm mainly saying strong as a comparing it with in this crappy little franchise that we have going on right here. But I would recommend Safe Haven. I would recommend Ride in the Park, and. I would not recommend that you watch the entire film. And because of that, I'm going to give it a, a very high 5 out of 10. Thank you so much for listening to More Than Thumbs. Signing off, I'm Jesse. And I'm Grayson. And we'll see you next time.